Well met, friends. I'm Jude Vase. And I'm Steph Midlock. And we have news! Inspired by our previous Hobbit Wing bonus episodes from the past three Octobers, we're going to continue our exploration of Middle-Earth by diving into an actual play RPG world with a podcast called... Drumroll, please. Athroplay. Woo! Athroplay! Please indulge us in the bad pun that I cr- came up with. It's because uh, it's an actual play, Athroplay. Athro get play. it? Come on, yeah. come on. It's good, uh, it's good. Yeah. We are looking for additional... Pl- people to join us, uh, us being me and Steph, and our resident lore master and producer, James Pearson. Woo! If you are interested in learning more, additional information and the application can be found at tinyurl.com slash athraplay. A-T-H-R-A-P-L-A-Y. We'll put a link in the show notes. We'll be accepting applicants until February 1st. Please, if you are interested, apply. Yeah, that's 2023 in case you're listening in the future. February 1st, 2023. Thank you so much for checking it out. We really look forward to exploring Middle Earth with you. Let us know if you have any questions. We're, we're just excited to hear from you. Yeah. And now, back to the show. Yeah. Welcome to Atherbeth, a podcast exploring the lesser trod paths of Tolkien's Legendarium. Now, dear listener, I hear you saying, whoa, Jude and Steph. You're using the actual catchphrase of the show instead of some super clever and hilarious alliteration like you normally do? What gives? Well, dear listener, we're using the honest-to-goodness slogan of Lesser Trod Paths because this episode marks the launch of a new episode series within Atherbeth that we're calling Lesser Trod Paths with, insert name of guest here, cue the air horns. <laughs> The goal of Atherbeth has always been to explore, as we have frequently said, the lesser trod paths of Tolkien's Legendarium. The parts of the Legendarium that are not accessible to everyone for whatever reason. It's in, it's not in the Lord of the Rings books. It's in a weird essay that not everybody reads. It's in three sets of footnotes that even a masochist wouldn't read the first time they go through the histories. These things exist. Uh... (laughs) Over the last four years, we've presented over 50 episodes with the weird stuff that we, I, with my elf shit, and Steph with her horse boys, uh, love. Uh, (laughs) But we believe it's really important to offer other folks in the Tolkien community a chance to come here to Atherbeth and tell us what they think is important about the Professor's Legendarium, because we are not the only voices and not the only points of view in the community, there are lots of cool people doing cool things in Tolkien's Legendarium, and they have different, interesting, fascinating views on what's valuable to study. And those are their lesser trod paths, and we would like to talk to them. So in this series, Steph and I will take the back seat to our guest host as they guide us down their so-called lesser trod paths. On that note, we would like to welcome our first guest host, Wizard Way Chris. Wizard Way Chris is an author, a creator, an educator, an aromatherapist, and your resident elf boy who specializes in Tolkien's languages, all kinds of other things. I wrote just that one thing, but boy, Chris is amazing and knows so much about a lot of fantastic, interesting subjects. Yeah. Since posting their first Tolkien-themed TikTok video on January 5th, 2021, Chris's TikTok has grown to over 62,000 followers at the time of recording. 
with 848,000 likes on their videos. I mean, that's I mean, that's amazing. That's Almost a million. Bananas. Yeah. Yeah. Chris's instructive, engaging, and utterly charming content really grabbed our attention right away, and we've been fans ever since. We're so happy to have Wizard Way Chris on the show today. We've got many satisfying Cinderin paths to tread, so let's begin. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us for this very, very special episode of Atherbeth. I uh, would like to take a moment to introduce our fantastic guest host for today, Wizard Way Chris. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I love doing podcasts. (laughs) This is the best. We are so happy that you're here. Listeners, if you have not checked out Chris's material yet, you need to immediately run don't walk. Run to TikTok and look up Wizard Way Chris, K-R-I-S, all one word, and check out their incredibly instructive and engaging and just utterly charming content. I was oh, immediately thanks. in love <laughs> with with what you do. You are so fabulous and like warm and open and inviting about it um, in a community that sometimes, as we know, can be very gatekeepery and be full of Gatekeeping kind of prickly, yeah. And unfortunately right. for a while, I was one of those people, so... I, I feel like I connect with people who have like a lot of criticism for Rings of Power or other adaptations because I used to be that person. Sure. Um, I've just relaxed and learned better over time. So <laughs> I think that's no, why that's my, my tone is is pretty accepting. But uh, but when it comes to diversity, I really push hard. Yeah, you and, no, that's, that's wonderful. You and Don. Don Marshall, 72. And no better... And knew better, do better. I've really created a really awesome space on TikTok that I think is is a really great community uh, in that corner of Tolkien fandom. Uh, very accepting and very just a, a very positive corner of Tolkien fandom at a time when I think it's super super important that that be that there be that element. I feel like we as a fandom, as a, as the J.R.R. Tolkien fandom, we got lucky with Don. And mm-hmm. it's because Don and I started TikTok like within a month of each other. <laughs> but <laughs> but for whatever reason, just the algorithm kicked in and he was the chosen one and, and jumped over half a million followers in a matter of a few months <laughs> and I was sitting there watching it happen and I got just, I've, I've been excited from the get go for him, but we got lucky with him because he and I very much share that point of view that, that we need to push for diversity and inclusion. And we weren't willing to compromise that in our little corner of the fandom. And so because we sort of laid down that as a general rule, uh, it means that we re- we really have, especially with Nubeta and with Annex Wilson, we've really pushed for for a diverse and open community over on TikTok, and I feel lucky that we have that there. I feel like TikTok has been slightly more positive <laughs> with mm-hmm. things compared to other platforms, and and I'm really happy to be a part of that. Yeah, 
Yeah, you've created a really beautiful community over there. I love um, not only your videos, but reading the comments are so beautiful, too. People feel very seen and heard. And I I just think people really respond to you. And your skills as an educator are are very uh, apparent immediately. You know, oh, thanks. You, you have a way to draw people in that's, I think, not something that everybody can do. And so, I, you know, we applaud you for that. So, listeners, this is a different episode of At The Breath. Usually, Jude and I pontificate at you, but we are taking the back seat in this episode. We really want to, you know, At The Breath is all about lesser trod paths, right? So, we would like to invite Wizard Way Chris, this beautiful, amazing creator, um, to tell us about their lesser trod paths, the parts of Tolkien's legendarium that they really respond to. And so you are going to be so amazed at all of the great stuff that Chris has got for you. So, Chris, I invite you to lead us down your lesser trod path, if you will. Sure. I have some fun things to cover today, and I'm just Yay. really happy I get to geek out with you all. <laughs> okay, so uh, first things first, let me give a little bit of an introduction for myself. My name is Chris Pete. My handle online is Wizard Way Chris. It's K-R-I-S. Um, I'm that on pretty much every platform. I'm just most active on TikTok, currently Twitter, which is a surprise. Um, And I'm trying to re-up my activity over on YouTube as well. I have the privilege of basically translating shit into Elvish for a living. That happened sort of by accident. But uh, some of my more recent larger collaborations, I have worked with Cami Cat. So anybody who's a fan of D&D, she does original songs. She writes and performs original songs that are D&D related. And uh, she asked me to do an entire song translation. So if you look up the song of El Turel, um, I did an Elvish version of that for her. And that was super cool. Um, I recently collaborated with Peter Hollins, who does acapella music. He layers his own voice like 30 different times and creates entire tracks out of it. He has a, I think it's Songs of Middle Earth. It's a collection or an album that's coming out. And I did a translation for the cover art for the album cool. art. So, yay! Um, and the, awesome. the largest, the biggest one that most people have probably seen but not known it was me is uh, my ongoing collaboration with Don Marshall 72. We did uh, specifically a, a piece of merch that says, you are all welcome here in Elvish. And uh, underneath it, oh my God, you're wearing it too. <laughs> I, I get so flustered when I see people wearing no, it. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> I just it's, showed it's, my boobs to the camera, everybody. So, you know, poor, poor. Um, <laughs> but uh, honestly, like that was such an important message. And originally it happened because Dawn got banned. Uh, from TikTok for a period of time and everyone started freaking out and we were just like, this is not cool. <laughs> uh, and so we we just sort of dug our heels in and he doubled down and he's like, I want to put out you know merch that's about diversity. And so we brainstormed it and I did the translation. And then he basically just, uh, he had the design team over at Spring put different colored ears, uh, some of them rounded, some of them pointed uh, underneath the phrase in Elvish. And so... The first time I saw somebody famous, quote unquote, uh, wearing my merch, it was Amelia Chalvillier or Villay Villy. Oh, gosh, I don't know how to say her last name. Um, (laughs) She is part of English nobility. Oh, which is something I didn't know at first. Um, The lady. 
Yeah, yeah, she is she is Lady Amelia Childvillier. So That's awesome. She was wearing a, a hoodie that had that that was the merch and uh apparently through her the entire cast of the Rings of Power uh knew about it. And so somebody, I'm not sure who exactly, but somebody in the Rings of Power brought the merch to the attention of the original Hobbit actors. So Elijah Wood, Sean Astin, Dominic Monaghan, and Billy Boyd. Um, someone brought it to their attention, and then they decided, without prompting from us, to post on social media wearing it and pushing for diversity in the fandom, given all of the backlash toward the actors of color in the Rings of Power. Uh, so that happened. It went ultra viral. I ended up, I think I counted like 39 news articles internationally. Wow. And it went everywhere. Yeah. Like people were sending me links to Japanese. I was in a, a Thai, a Thai article, which I couldn't read, but it was there. That's so cool. <laughs> um, wow. so, so really all over the place. Uh, and that was really, really cool. So the, if any message that I've ever translated could have gone viral, I'm so glad it was that one. So you are all welcome here is just sort of the ongoing theme <laughs> that, I, that I think Don and I both try and bring to our content. Uh, but virality is bonkers. We managed to donate $22,000 to charity um, through the sale boost that we got from those shirts at that time. So That's very, incredible. very cool. That was so exciting to watch. I yeah. caught that right when it hit. I was on Twitter and I saw the first <laughs> the first tweet that had Elijah Wood and all the other hobbits wearing it and, I, and Don's first reaction to it. And I just sat there on Twitter instead of working, just refreshing, <laughs> watching everybody react to it. And that was so exciting to watch. Because of the time difference between me and Don, because he's East Coast time and I'm West Coast time in the U.S., he called me and he's like whitelisted on my phone. So it always rings if he calls. Oh, <laughs> and so I, like he woke me up from a dead sleep and, and I had like 20 seconds and I missed the call. I immediately called him back. He's like, oh, my God, check Instagram. He's like, I'm sending you a link. Uh, and, and we collectively lost our minds. And, wow. and we were like, what do we do? What do we say? We didn't do this. <laughs> we, oh. didn't, we didn't tell them to do that. And the fact that they even linked to the merch shop to encourage other people to buy it, like that blew my mind. So that was by far the most viral thing that I've ever done. And I'm glad it was that thing to go viral. Yeah. Yeah such a beautiful message and so important in this like very crappy time of people being the worst ever yeah, yeah it's it's not a great time i mean all fandoms go through these cycles whenever there's a new adaptation you're always going to have a schism in the fandom and i think what we're trying to do is just elevate the voices that don't get heard as often in fandom queer voices like mine don't tend to be heard as much and, and I mean, gosh, queerness with the Tolkien fan fiction community is so well ingrained at this point. Absolutely. Um, but just, you know, because it's still considered fringe in media, um, mm -hmm. we, we don't get listened to as often. So not only pushing for inclusion for queer folk, but also uh, act actors and people of color. So, yeah, yeah it's it's been an opportunity to listen to people and to 
experience the fandom and experience the joy of an adaptation through the eyes of someone who's different than you. Because you see, it's just like the, the you know, Ariel being a black girl now. It's just like that in our fandom of being able to see the joy of people experiencing an elf who's ethnic. Mm-hmm. And, and just seeing so many different skin tones and, you know, just skin tones in the backgrounds even. Just all of the extras. There's so mm-hmm. much diversity uh, not only in the main characters of the Rings of Power, but in in the background, that it's just really nice to see it, and it's nice to see people's reactions to it. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, that's been so heartwarming. People feeling finally like, you know, I'm I'm visually part of something that I always, you know, have been part of, but now I really feel reflected in it in a wider right. for a wider audience, and that's so important. Representation is vitally important. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's what it's what honestly makes a fandom continue. It's what gives mm-hmm. a fandom longevity. Mm. That's a great point. Absolutely, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Uh, I. When. When I saw. When you know we we had we had the pleasure of talking to Don on I this show. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, um, he was such a great guest. I can't remember. I feel like it was back in March or something, or maybe earlier, or January or something of this year. And he was great. Um, and we loved chatting with him. And I think we asked him at the time, like, you know, how do you kind of deal with the grogs and stuff that are that tend to come after good folks on social media? And he's like, I just keep going. Yeah, <laughs> like, his, yeah. his response was basically, fuck them. Yeah. Which yeah. I thought was really, yeah. really and encouraging. And this is why we get along so well. <laughs> no, honestly. <Perfect>. like <laughs> yeah. Our great. perspectives on it were just like, haters going to hate. We yeah. just yep. keep, you know, it's, it's <laughs> you know, to, to steal a line from Rings of Power, you keep swimming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's so cool. I mean, I just, that amount of money that you donated to charity, that's so, so great. What a wonderful thing to do. Like, what a wonderful gift that, like, you know, is, is going to I mean, on the, the fandom has already given back to me. You know, I'm slated for top surgery for early November. And fandom, wow. because of merch sales, and uh, especially during Pride Month, the support was overwhelming and and y'all funded my top surgery which is that's all awesome. huge Great. for me so that's so, amazing you know, we we want to give to fandom and fandom is is giving back in in ways that i never expected that's terrific so glad that's wonderful yeah i'm so excited it's oh, gonna be great <laughs> yay so how did you can i ask you sort of how you got started on this linguistic journey absolutely yeah because i'm i'm very focused on elves and the ainur and and par- primarily the elvish languages in middle earth uh so my first exposure to lord of the rings and to tolkien was when fellowship of the ring peter jackson film came out I know I had seen one of the animated bits when I was younger, but it didn't connect. I was an angsty teenager in high school when Fellowship of the Ring came out. Didn't want to go to the theater with family because L. Um, <laughs> Same. But they they drug me there. And so I, I watched the movie and I was instantly completely captivated because I saw my little queer self in the elves in the androgyny of the elves in a way that I didn't have words for. And I latched onto it 
without any hesitation. I immediately started reading the books. I went to the appendices and became obsessed with Appendix E, uh, where they go into <laughs> the, the writing system of the Tengwar. So I learned the Tengwar almost instantly, and I started writing it you know, in whiteout pen on my backpack and stuff. <laughs> um, oh, back in the awesome. day when we used to do that. Such geeks. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I just, I completely hyper-focused and became obsessed with the languages. I made my own calendar of Imladris for my locker. Like, I went hardcore. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and I love lucky, that. And lucky That's for so me, good. my parents didn't stop me. Uh, so I guess <laughs> they saw me going crazy about it, but they're like, yeah, she could be into worse things. This is okay. Yeah. Um, and I just, I dove into fan fiction and just the, the rest is history. So fan fiction really upped my exposure to queerness as well. So I started having more words to describe other relationships that I just wasn't exposed to with my, you know, pretty conservative upbringing. And, uh, yeah, I got more, more terms for things. I got exposure to, to gayness, queerness, all of the above. Uh, and through fan fiction, that's how I found my first, uh, Elvish lessons. So I took Neo Sindarin lessons from a fan fiction author on the internet and Lord lover, she graded my homework and everything. Like <laughs> oh, I went wow. hard and That's she awesome. just met me there. Uh, but the <laughs> woman who wrote those lessons ended up becoming my life partner years down the line. Wow. So there's your, your internet romance for the ages. <laughs> uh, I, I married, I basically wedded the woman who taught me Elvish in high school. <laughs> oh, it's so romantic. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love it too. Oh man. And I loved Sandra so very much. And I use past tense because, uh, she did pass away September 30th of 2019, right before the pandemic. I think her so being sorry. immunocompromised, I think she must have had some sort of vision. <laughs> and it was, okay, you can go now peacefully in your sleep or, or, hear me out, you can stay for a global pandemic, get sick and die alone in a hospital. Right. Choices. Oh. Uh, wow. So she went and... Uh, my my life is forever changed um and yeah like our i had her for 12 years we had a very brief stint doing a podcast it just didn't work out and this oh. is before podcasts became big mm -hmm. uh so we had one i believe we called it crystal clear tolkien um oh, I love that. where we just explained lore and got really geeky about language stuff it was really fun Aww. But, uh, yeah, we did that and we, we role played constantly through instant messenger, just playing with Tolkien's characters and creating our own original world and original characters that never got published, but it's still in my brain. Uh, <laughs> at some point I'm, I'm going to have to try and get it out of my brain and into like a TTRPG book. I just don't even know where to begin with that because I've only just now started to dip my toes into D and D. Ooh. So that's a new thing for me, that's uh, funny. doing actual RPing with other people. So mm -hmm. we did that for years, uh, right up until she passed the very night that she passed, we were RPing Thranduil and Gwyndor, which hmm. were, were our original characters that we started with. Oh. Uh, oh. so it kind of was, weirdly full circle <laughs> yeah. wow. 
Wow. Uh, but that's yeah. why the, the character of Thranduil is one of my favorites. And, and uh, yeah, so, so excited to be on, I guess, yeah, it's live now, so I can say this. Um, I'm a part of Don Marshall's The Unpredicted Party. Right. Yeah. Uh, so those episodes are currently still airing. By the time this airs, they will definitely all be out, uh, oh, nice. or at least the campaign will have continued long past where I was a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so feel free to check out Don Marshall 72 over on YouTube. The Unpredicted Party is his version of a Middle Earth TTRPG that asks the question, what if they took the eagles to Mordor? <laughs> Um, and why that. that's a terrible idea. So you end up with Gwaihir, the evil bird lord, um, <laughs> taking the ring, killing the fellowship, and now what do we do is sort of the question. Uh, and I get to play Thranduil for a oh. couple episodes, and it has been the best. That's amazing. I love that. I was so indifferent on Thranduil reading The Hobbit, and I was slightly less than indifferent about The Hobbit movies. Uh, mm. but boy, howdy, yeah. <laughs> was I the opposite of indifferent to Lee Pace as Thranduil. Ooh, right. Okay. So, so very, very similar experience for me. So, uh, other, other than I was not indifferent from the get go, I read the <laughs> Hobbit and the only character I wanted to learn more about was the Elven King. Aww. Uh, and because I got a box set that had the other books, I instantly just went to the <laughs> went to the index of Lord of the Rings and I was like, is Thranduil ever meant, like, is the Elven King ever mentioned in this book? Uh, And sure enough, we learned that, you know, Legolas is his son. And so, Mm -hmm. like, that started, that was my first deep dive into the lore was just trying to figure out more about, more about the Wood Elves, more about Greenwood the Great or Erengalen. And yeah, I, I dove in when it came to Thranduil and I was devastated by the Hobbit movies. I loathed them. And I don't use that word lightly. I hated those films so much that I I think I watched them once was so purist, canonical, outraged. Like I, again, I was one of those people. I was so outraged that I put them down and I didn't watch them again for, I think six or seven years. Sure. (laughs) And so so understandable (laughs) because, because I kept seeing memes about Thranduil and I think I was so blinded by just how much I disliked about the movies that Mm -hmm. I didn't even appreciate Lee Lee Pace's Thranduil. And so when I went back and revisited them and finally watched them again, like Thran Daddy, Randy Thrandy, one hundred percent. Party yep. Elf Dad, step on my neck any day, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, please, please step on. Amazing. Like I'm, I, I'm only <laughs> upset that Lee Pace can't play Anatar because he's already Thranduil. Like that right? is my my only yes! complaint at this point. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. He's exactly. got I, He's got the wonderful arrogance uh, and, and yes. that the charm and charisma that is also just super dramatic and you can flip a switch and he's evil. Mm-hmm. There's you a can play that very very well. So well done, Lee case. Pace. I love. I you love very much. that gif of him from the. There's a, a, a gif that floats around of him from the extras from the Hobbit DVDs of him on the throne, like vamping on the elf throne, where he yes. like makes this very like evil sexy face and then just sort of flounces his hair back over his shoulder and every right. time i see that gif i'm just like okay <laughs> okay 
<laughs> You're like, simmer down, daddy. Am I, yeah. am I attracted, am I attracted to this? No. Uh, I hope this doesn't yes. awaken anything. A, a yes. <laughs> well, yes, I am. Uh, Jude and I are the same. We can't stand the Hobbit movies. Um, love, love the Lord of the Rings. And we're, we actually went to see the first Hobbit movie together on my birthday. It came out on my birthday all those years ago. And I waited all day in line and I was so excited. And then we were just like immediately like, oh no. Everybody, we went with like 12 of our friends and oh. the other, they were, the rest of them were just standing there. Awkward silence at the end. Watching us. Like, and we the two seething. of us were just, ex, just furiously <laughs> ranting at each other about how, like about all the things <sighs> we thought about oh, it. Oh, what and a birthday. I'm so sorry. I mean, I've come to a greater appreciation of the Hobbit films. Okay. I Coming need to try back again. to them after so long, I, mm-hmm. I just... I'm able to appreciate them for what they are instead mm-hmm. of being so very hyper-focused on everything they aren't. Yes. And I think that's a very important thing in, in fandom and especially just with any adaptation, that yeah. there yeah. are definitely going to be things you dislike about any adaptation. And some are going to rub you wrong, and that is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but take a step back, yeah. give it some time, and then come back and try and experience it a second time yeah. with, a, with a level of detachment. So you can see what is there and appreciate that and know that, you know, so many hundreds and hundreds of manpower hours went into creating this thing. So you can at least respect it for what it is, Mm -hmm. even though it's obviously not everything you had hoped it would be. Um, So that's sort of the greater appreciation I've come to with the Hobbit film for sure. That's very uh, wise. I don't know yeah, if you can find you. it anymore because Lindsay Ellis kind of vanished off of YouTube. I love Lindsay Ellis. No, like but, she she was canceled. I know there was a lot of drama there. I didn't really follow it, but her 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 videos about the Hobbit. Middle Earth, yeah, her three part mini series docu series uh, going into all of the issues with the Hobbit films. I think and her, just why they didn't hit right. I think uh, are yeah, they're did fantastic. A great job. Yeah, of analyzing. It's a great analysis. Why oh. they don't work the way the original trilogy does. I think it's really it's very nuanced and very well researched and comp- like unbiased. It's she's not a partisan in any way. She's just looking at like what went wrong with them from a storytelling standpoint, from a yeah. production standpoint. Um, and then there's a lot there of there were a lot of issues behind the scenes that made for a not stellar final product, and and taking all of that into account is an important thing. Yeah, um, the wider frame, does, so to speak. The wider yeah. frame, taking that step back and seeing what was going on with union workers in New Zealand and how the Hobbit films changed the industry in that country to a point that really hurt the country's industry for for film. Um, and, and how there are just consequences to that. So yeah, uh, whatever you think about Lindsay Ellis, those, those three docuseries episodes were fantastic in yeah. breaking down the Hobbit films. And yeah, I very I, much a- agree with her analysis of it, that just, there's a lot that doesn't work and there are many reasons why. <laughs> yeah. I, I, they, those, those videos helped me kind of place my, my feelings about the films and the, there are pieces of the films that are are great, and I think there's a lot of great performances, and a lot of people worked very hard, and I respect that. The films don't work for me, but you know that's cool. I, I have a steps in front of the camera, and you have my all, attention is forgiven. Again. All, all is forgiven. All is forgiven. <laughs> uh, yeah, just just oh. speak more Elvish to me, please. So God, yes. <laughs> 
God. That's that's something that's always super satisfying for me is is watching very attractive actors speak the language that I'm super passionate about. <laughs> yeah, that's how I've been feeling when yes, Rings of Power when they amazing. speak Quenya. Like, Oof. I didn't even think about that when they announced the show. <laughs> oh, it didn't even occur to me. About. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I thought that like speaking Elvish, obviously, but I, like it didn't connect in my head that like, oh, they're gonna speak Quenya. Like, I thought and they then were going connected. to be speaking primarily Sindarin. Like the the choice, and I'm sure we'll get into this. Mm-hmm. The choice of of doing primarily Quenya is like that. That I was not expecting that, and unfortunately, because I have focused on Sindarin, I don't speak Quenya. So mm-hmm. I had to farm out all of the translation work that I thought I was going to be doing myself, mm-hmm. and ask all of my other linguistic friends to take care of it because they're the Quenya experts. And I'm I'm so grateful to have people's help because that that Discord server is intimidating on the best of days, uh, yeah. because you get a bunch of language geeks together and just suddenly you know a word that you didn't even use in your translation is being debated angrily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it gets very intimidating very quickly. But these are very very knowledgeable fans and and they are indispensable in trying to disseminate information about the languages and my job is to translate what they're saying into something that is bite-sized and easier to digest for for laymen so i'm kind of a a middleman in in the situation but oh man yeah hearing hearing especially uh morvith clark oh the way she pronounces mordor and i'm like oh Yeah, she's got, she has that, She's that, amazing. that elvish R is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah and so and you, you can tell when the actors have been making an effort. Uh, Rob Aramayo, um, mm-hmm. Ismail yeah. Cruz Cordova, these, oh. these characters that speak Quenya, you hear when they get their trilled R's right. And it's just so tasty. I, <laughs> I really, really love, uh, Arondir. The, his character is, mm-hmm really great. And one of my favorite scenes in the whole show is him speaking that little line of Quenya to the tree. Um, oh yeah. It's such a, it's such a nice little line. And, uh, he, it, it's just delivered so well that really sold the character for me in that moment. Um, mm. but that little yeah. bit of Quenya was just, just choice. I love that. It was heartbreaking. Uh, but, but so n- not just well delivered, but just what, a perfect thing for a Sylvan elf to do mm-hmm, exactly. to apologize to a tree before harming it. I'm just like, ugh. the, the Tolkien environmentalist in me is just like, yes, that's yeah. it. That's the message. Oh, someone <laughs> understood the assignment. That's yeah. really good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you focus not on Quenya, but on Sin- Neo Sindarin. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So, uh, the lessons that I took, back in the day from my partner were specifically Neo Sindarin with a tilt toward fan fiction authors. So there were a lot of spicy examples, shall we say, um, because fan <laughs> Those fiction are my favorite examples. is not always PG, uh, sure. to put it mildly. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of, a lot of the, you know, I, I still know some of the phrases that I learned from her lessons, and they are now outdated because we've learned more about the languages since 2004. But, uh, you know, like, Thelin Levi Thrawech Vainatirigirich. 
And that's, I intend to lick your beautiful body and watch you shudder. Spicy. (laughs) Yes. I am Uh, here for it. (laughs) uh, Again, it's outdated. I I feel the need to always point that out. Uh, And even a lot of my older TikTok content is outdated at this point because I was parroting what I had learned in 2004 without updating my knowledge. So mm. you kind of see, even in my own journey on TikTok, uh, I don't put things into playlists sometimes because I'm like, nah, it's outdated. I need to redo that. And then I just oh, never get around to it. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, relearning Elvish was basically what started my TikTok account. Mm-hmm. Um, I was grieving the loss of my partner and I had a thought of, you know, what was what was the most important connector between me and her um and just you know what brought us together and what would i want her lasting legacy to be uh and it was truly the the love of elvish that we shared and so i decided to relearn it and allowed my tiktok audience to sort of come along that journey with me Uh, and just you know here's some spicy examples of elvish (laughs) curse words and elvish i'm like well there are none but we can try sure (laughs) so yeah like i i've had a lot of fun with it and uh and that's that's sort of what started me on tiktok that's great but what a journey that's taken you on now yeah it's a wild ride it really is i have some i have some um stats if you're interested in your own stats I, I never look at them, so please or well, or no. no I just, thank you. I don't know. I just <laughs> no, now you. I'm nervous. You, your first video was January fifth, twenty twenty one, and like within six months, you were already at like ten thousand followers. Like that's amazing for a very like somewhat niche thing, you know. Very Jude niche. can't get me to hear about language. I'm like goodbye, you know. Uh, so so my my first that's videos amazing. were actually in October. of the year prior uh, because I started my TikTok account right after my partner passed. So Mm -hmm. October of 2019. Um, But the content that I posted at first was all me doing Draco, Draco Malfoy cosplay and just being, you know, an angsty git because that's, that's exactly what I was feeling. I was feeling my inner darkness and letting Mm -hmm. it out through really sad cosplay. Um, but my relationship with JK Rowling as a trans person has obviously soured. Um, so I just made the decision to pivot my content. Uh, and Mm -hmm. that's when I started on the Elvish stuff and Mm -hmm. I just took everything that wasn't Tolkien related and, and deleted it from my TikTok because it just didn't, it didn't feel like it was part of the same story. So yeah, the, the first, the first Elvish video Uh that I put on my TikTok was January. That's, and, that's uh, really cool. Yeah. yeah. It was and the one text- the one that got that bump of virality though was uh replace every vowel in your name with oob. <laughs> 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 oh no. Now I'm trying to do it. I don't think I could. Froob doob boobin goobers or whatever it was for Frodo Baggins. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Boob goobins. Froob doob goob boobins. Oh and uh, I, I basically just did a skit of various parts of the dialogue that name characters in the series, and I just replaced all the vowels with oob, and it was hilarious. <laughs> that's was really good. Uh, you know, also does this feel the orcs, and then doesn't just feel nice, does the burps. Because Precious is poop boobs. That's amazing. That was 
a really so, good impression. Uh, Don does so much better than I do. Uh, <laughs> I have to, I have to really twist my vocal cords to get a golem voice, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I did that and, you know, let us take the minds of, uh, of Moober Boob. <laughs> the minds of Moober Boob. <laughs> my cousin oh, Boob Lubin would give us a royal welcome. Oh my God. Um, and, and so like. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did is, is I just sort of tried to affect the, the attitude and the voices and repeat lines, but with this weird line of putting oob in for every vowel and, and it was so much fun. And that's what got me the first bump of virality. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> how great. But then that's, that's how it works though. Something that's kind of like it works. It's yeah. always something random that you didn't put any time or effort into. Yeah. Come for the oob, stay for the language lessons. Right. I guess. Right. <laughs> That's, that's how you hook them. That's how you. Yeah. yeah. I, that's how it starts. <laughs> <laughs> next oh thing you know, gosh. they're learning in cinder and grammar. Yeah. Next thing you know, it's now and you have over 62,000 followers with 800, over 848,000 likes. That's amazing. I didn't realize I was so close to a million likes. That's really cool. It's huge. <laughs> That's and what like I wrote this a week ago and it's and it's gone up by like 8,000 since then. I'm like, "Oh my god." Oh, like I had man. to switch my numbers. It was so great. Pe people are kind. <laughs> it's still it's still strange to me that so many people want to hear this stuff, but mm. I'm here for it. I mean, that's yeah. that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's it's the material, but it's you as well as a, oh, very as a creator much. Yeah. and as an educator. That really and, and at every opportunity, I will absolutely try to to help people see Tolkien through a queer lens, mm -hmm. because like I, I talk to plenty of people about the lore and interpretations of the lore, and you know where the adaptations succeed or fail. But almost everyone I have spoken to is not queer. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, people like, like Don, he's got bi-wife energy, but he is not gay um, <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. That is a cishet man. Um, like New Better Do Better, whom I freaking <laughs> adore, and he brings such a wonderful perspective uh, from his own experiences as a, as a black man. Um, but he and I, like he does not view it through a queer lens and could not understand where on earth I was getting this from. So talking with people and explaining why things resonate for me in a different way, it, it helps even people who are experts on the lore expand their view of what this means to other people. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's healthy for everybody. So the more I can do that through my TikTok channel, the better. Yeah, that's I, absolutely I been my... That. <laughs> That's absolutely yeah. been my experience as well. I would say I'm less straight than I was when I started this podcast, but I congratulations, me too. <laughs> but I definitely think that the exposure to creators who are looking at the material in ways that I don't has been incredibly profitable for me as as a, a Tolkien academic, for lack of a less pretentious phrase, because there's so many. There is so much to this material. I mean, God bless Christopher Tolkien for giving us this incredible gift of this enormous body of 
material to, to work with. We can yeah, see so deeply de- into his life to just sifting through all of those handwritten notes that I, I've seen some of them. They are barely legible. So yeah. well done, man. <laughs> right. Um, but, but just the, he and the others like uh, Carl Hofstetter who have just devoted their entire lives yeah. to sifting through this and, and trying to compile it in a way that is publishable. So the rest of us can enjoy the bits and pieces and all of the contradictions mm-hmm. and the re- the constant reworking that was Tolkien's passion. Yeah. It's, been really terrific for me to see how other people look at that material, look at all those versions and and look at Tolkien's thought process and see differently. I have my way of looking at Tolkien's stuff. I'm always looking at it from a, I have my particular interests, my, my theological interests in Tolkien's stuff. Oh, absolutely. And there's a lot there to, to have fun with. (laughs) But other people see other stuff in it. Uh, And I, I always value what, how other people see, because it just broadens the horizons. I got to take, for example, I always I always recommend Mythgard or Signum or whatever they're calling themselves. Now, it's been a, a number of years since I've gotten to take classes from them because I had a kid. And I don't know if my listeners know this, but children are time consuming. <laughs> uh, just a little bit. Um, Reason and, number 87 to not have them. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you like your free time, I can't say I recommend it. Uh, that's that's totally fair. I mean, so, and you know, not, not to harp on people who have kids or want kids. It's perfectly okay. It's just not for me. <laughs> yeah, no. And I respect that. It's just a lot of time. And, uh, absolutely. But I was taking some, some, I've taken a number of Signum classes and they're fantastic. And one of the things I really valued about those classes was getting exposed to so many different teachers and students at all levels of experience within the within, you know, Tolkien fandom and academia. I took classes yeah, scholarship, from... scholarship, because, I mean, truly, Signum University is all about Tolkien's scholarship. Yeah. It's becoming a scholar. Yeah. Um, someone who writes essays and gets them peer-reviewed, and then they get published and stuff. Like, that's a... It's yeah. a whole other level. And it's um, fantastic. And if I had known it existed... I feel like I would have done that ages ago. <laughs> I, only only this year did I learn about Signum. Oh, man. Like, Can't where have I them. even been? Can't so. recommend it enough. I got to take a course from Verilyn Flieger once, which was, like, Amazing. the craziest thing I've ever done in my life. I took a course on linguistics from uh, Dr. From Dr. Dimitra Femi and her co-author bef- right before they published their new version of The Secret Vice, Mm-hmm. This was before she kind of blew up as like the modern preeminent Tolkien scholar, which was very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Some big names. Yeah. Well, and it was in that class that I got to talk to, um, and this is why I mentioned it, where I got to talk to, uh, as a guest a, a speaker, Carl Hostetter came onto that course mm-hmm. and gave a one-time guest lecture. And I found him a very illuminating speaker because he oh, was someone man. I had enormous respect for. Yeah. But is a yeah, very he, particular. I'm, very, I'm in contact very, because of my Twitter thread, breaking down all of the linguistic stuff. Um, wow. I was put into contact with Chad, that Chad, uh, who's mm-hmm. basically behind the scenes with everybody. And he's like, yeah, I'll introduce you to Carl. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's amazing. 
uh, at one point, uh, he was just like, Carl has some corrections for you. And I'm like, Whoa! I'm <laughs> going to die. Like, I'm frightened, but also super excited. But also, is terrified he allowed and to flattered. do that? Um, yeah, <laughs> terrified and flattered. Uh, absolutely. And, and it turns out that he was going to check uh, his NDA to see if he was even able to correct us. <laughs> Turns out I, I never got an answer back, so I assume his NDA did not allow him to oh. correct us uh, us weirdos who are trying to decode things. That's fine. Ooh, but that's the, so the cool. very fact that he that Carl has apparently seen my Twitter thread and is watching me is unnerving and also really freaking cool. That yeah. is so cool. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, that's Signum is was a, a great experience because that was very early in my journey as a would be Tolkien scholar and, and getting to meet people that came at the material from so many different directions uh, was fantastic. Yeah. I got to, I got to meet Corey Olson at San Diego comic-con this year. Um, He's where I was a, I was awesome. a last minute addition to the group that was going for the one ring.net. Um, and yeah, we had some great conversations and I learned about Signum and I was like, Oh my gosh, like where have I been under a rock? Apparently. But he put me onto a book that I have in front of me right now. It's called Tolkien and Alterity. Mm. It's written by Christopher Vaccaro and Yvette Kisser. Oh, yeah. Um, and one cool. of the essays in it is from, I believe her name is Robin Reed. Yeah. I've, uh, we've heard Robin Reed speak a few times at um, yeah. Tolkien Society. Stuff. And, and, and Robin Reed's well. whole thing is, and, and Vaccaro as well, their whole thing is talking yeah. about the other in mm -hmm. Tolkien's universe and yeah. how that relates Dope. to race, class, gender, um, and sexuality. And so I know that Robin Reed is currently working on an essay that's about uh, sexuality. And, oh, that'll be great. And in some ways, the lack thereof. And I was like, I need to talk to her about aceness because yeah. I, I come at Tolkien also from a demi-ace perspective uh, that I don't think gets a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I, at some point, hopefully Corey will, uh, will connect me with, with them and I can, I can chat about that. I have so many yeah. things to say. Oh no, they're, that's amazing. That's it's. And that's the thing that that world is all very, uh, uh, connected, which is really nice. And like, yeah, that's exactly like, that's, I think how we might've found you is through Dawn originally. Right. That's oh, all. It's most likely. Which He's is so been cool. pushing people hard towards me and it's very kind of him. I think that's amazing. And that's one of, <laughs> one of the things I think that's very, very cool about this part, at least of the, of the Tolkien community. Uh, I can't speak to the grogs nor would I care to, but everybody wants to talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I have yeah. never that's come into fun. I've never come into a situation where someone is like, well, you know, they don't really talk to other people. Or or someone who is like, well, this person isn't really open to like talking about the stuff they're researching. Like yeah. we've we had we've had some unbelievably cool conversations and encounters with people who were just like, "Hey, that's awesome. Yeah, let's talk." Like It's nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, well, I think that, that Tolkien is one of those fandoms where it's almost prerequisite. Mm -hmm. Like, in order to be into Tolkien, like, into it, you end up diving into such a vast universe that you yeah. gotta be some level of crazy. 
to take on, even if you're just looking at something specific. The lore yeah. goes deep enough, mm-hmm. you know, much like D&D lore, which which took a lot of cues from Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Um, just it goes so deep that you can you can go as deep as you want to. And no one really judges you if you stay superficial, because I think that casual fans are just as important as us crazy scholarly folk. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, there's there's a certain level of you just got to be a little crazy to take it on. And I think that anyone who does, we all do want to talk to each other because we find a commonality in in just being insane enough to spend all of our time and energy on this. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we have been distracting you from your your points. So I want to let you get <laughs> my back bullet to- points for the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we uh, want to hear. We want yeah, to hear about I'm. I, I am genuinely that. very interested in in hearing about the your your neo uh points. So I'm sure. Uh, well, I did talk about seeing Tolkien and viewing it and reading it through a queer lens. There are several ways that I go about that, and mm-hmm. and I can go into some of those. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, number one, since we're looking at the outline, uh, gender neutrality in neo Sindarin. So Sindarin as a language, this is the Elvish language, just in case there are casual people in, in the audience. This is the Elvish language that is primarily spoken by the elves in the third age, uh, mostly the second and third age. It is the primary Elvish language. I'll put it that way. Uh, despite mm-hmm. rings of power using a lot of Quenya, whenever they are speaking English, when the elves are speaking English to each other, when we, the audience, hear English, they're actually speaking Sindarin to each other. Uh, we just don't hear that because then the entire show would be subtitled, and they're not going to do that to themselves. <laughs> Those poor actors. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when we when we hear it, it is typically Sindarin that they are speaking to each other. Because things uh, are but. Yes. So the lore behind the reason why Sindarin is used instead of Quenya is because uh, the king of the Sindar elves in the first age, his name was Eluthingol. When the Noldor, which, you know, of of which Galadriel is one, uh, when they come back from Valinor or the the Undying Lands back into Middle Earth, the Sindar elves learn over a course of some time, they learn that when the Noldor were leaving, the first kinslaying happened where elves killed other elves. And their kin, their actual, you know, same type of elves, kin, were the ones who took the brunt of that and got slayed. So Thingol is obviously not very pleased about this, and he basically outlaws the language of the exiled Noldor, which is Quenya. The languages are close enough, they have enough common roots that the Noldor could easily learn Sindrin, and so they did. So unless they were amongst themselves, speaking in hushed tones probably, uh, most elves in Middle-earth starting in the first stage because of the kinslaying were speaking Sindrin. Uh, So one point of Sindrin that really pushes gender neutrality is that uh, third-person singular pronouns are just third-person singular pronouns. There's so much, uh, you know, battle that goes on nowadays with weird political shit about people's pronouns uh, and, you know, not wanting to respect neutrality, you know, people who go by they, them, or zizir, or any alternate pronouns. Um, in Sindrin, it's very, very simple. You know, instead of 
he, him, she, her, they, them, and any combination thereof, it's just Tay Ten. Everybody. Nice. All of the above is just Tay Ten. (laughs) You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to ask for people's pronouns because nobody freaking cares. It's just third person singular and there's no distinction made. And Mm. in some ways that's incredibly freeing when you're non-binary like me. It's like, I don't have to worry about it in Elvish. So (laughs) as silly as it is, it's so validating. Um, but the, in Elvish, there are many other terms, like uh, the term for friend, for example. This is an easy example. Uh, melon, mm. which we see on the, you know, it's the password in Tamoria. Uh, melon is neutral. It can be anybody who is a friend. Versus meldir or meldis are gendered. Meldir is male, masculine skewing, and meldis is female or feminine skewing. So you have options, but there's typically a neutral version that you can use in general. And so it it allows a lot more freedom for people with different identities. And so it's just very welcoming for for people who are are part of the, the weird queer gender spectrum. That's great. <laughs> like that is me. so so cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I've I've explored a lot of that. I go into that in my TikTok sometimes, and I just really push it. I did. Someone asked me a question at one point that spiraled wonderfully, and it was uh, how would queer people or LGBTQ uh, IA two S plus whatever uh, alphabet soup? How would they refer to themselves in Elvish? And I was like, that's such a good question, because there are no elvish words for queer, right? Uh, queer or gay or any of that, because Tolkien doesn't tend to go into sexuality much in his writing, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as such, I had to get creative. <laughs> when I saw this in your thing, I, I actually had to think about, like, if I could think of any instance of him talking about sex. And the only thing I could come up with off the top of my head was his very clinical mentions yeah, in the uh what is it uh laws and customs of the elder eldar where exactly. he's talking about like the elves procreation procreate here right, right and their birthdays are celebrated from the moment from the act of procreation and then here and here and sometimes the penis is called this in quenya and the womb yes. is called this yeah it's, it's very right. clinical yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's <laughs> yeah but he made words for it so like he wasn't saying that they're sexless and they just pop out of holes in the ground like the dwarves right, <laughs> right. yeah um so yeah i mean like he acknowledges that sex exists but he doesn't focus on it at all mm-hmm. uh but as such i had to get creative and so mm-hmm. the metaphor that i came up with in elvish is uh, Otho Nu Aladvan, uh, which is what light do you dream under? And I so this is this is a metaphor for desire, and this can vary. So it can be sexual desire, romantic desire. It can just you know be someone you want to cuddle with. Like it's anything. It's anything you need it to be. Uh, but I had some very basic rules for this that I'm really really thrilled that the the metaphor holds to uh, inclusion without confusion, hopefully, uh, mm-hmm. normalization of all identities. So the, the elves wouldn't bat an eyelash at any of this. They're so long lived, like who would freaking care? These yeah. things would <laughs> seem so petty to them. Yeah. Uh, keeping things gender neutral, that it doesn't matter how you personally identify in order to use the metaphor, because mm-hmm. you don't have to identify yourself in order to identify your sexuality, unlike English, where if you say, I'm gay, 
then that's typically I'm a cis male attracted to males. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to identify your own gender identity in order to use gay or lesbian or bi or, you know, what have you. Things get complicated because of gender identity uh, yeah. versus this is completely neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone asks you, what light do you dream under? You have various options. And I based those on the fact that the sun and moon are gendered in Tolkien's world. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, it's one of the cases where, where things are given masculine and feminine energy, uh, because the, the sun and moon are the last fruit and flower of the two trees of Valinor. So mm-hmm. way back in the lore, when the two trees get destroyed, which we see in the prologue of the rings of power show, you end up with a fruit and a flower and these become the sun and moon. <laughs> respectively. <laughs> and those then get guarded by two of the Maiar. Maiar being the same level of power as Gandalf, as Sauron, uh, as the Balrogs. So generally that power level. Um, Aryan is, you know, female in the canon and she guards the sun. So the sun is considered feminine. Tilion is the Maya who is in charge of the moon. He is a male Maya, uh, originally one of Orome's Maya, Maiar. And uh, he guards the moon. So you have feminine energy for the sun, masculine energy for the moon. And with that, you can say, what light do you dream under? I dream under moonlight. I dream under sunlight. I dream under starlight. Starlight being more ambiguous. And it can be bi, pan, or poly. um, Because there are many stars in the sky. So you're sleeping under multiple sources of light. Therefore, poly, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can mold the the metaphor into being whatever it needs to be. So I use sun, moon, stars, shadow for people who are ace. <laughs> I dream under shadow, like no, and you can describe the shadow as yeah. you know how strong it has to be to get through the haze to you, which would be your level of aceness um, mm. because it's a spectrum. Uh, I use eclipses for trans folk. Because a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse is when the light of that light source is being obscured by something. So you don't see it because you see something else. Hmm. Wow. So, again, it strangely works. Um, I I made it open to intersex identities by using botany references because Mm -hmm. uh, the natural world is full of different intersex intersex identities with plants Mm -hmm. where, where, you know, they they reproduce with themselves or, you know, they have both male and female parts or there are male trees and female trees or some of them switch. Like it gets really complicated and wonderful. And I love the complexity. And so I used specific kinds of trees (laughs) that have words in Elvish to then, if you want to identify yourself as being, being someone like that, you, you absolutely can. And so it, it, it ended up spiraling into this wonderful, all-inclusive metaphor for just attraction. And it can mean whatever it needs to mean. And it doesn't put anybody into boxes that they don't choose for themselves. And I thought that, like, that, it, that's my other triumph. <laughs> There's the, <laughs> you all are welcome here. And what light do you dream under? Those are, like, my two big things <laughs> that I've that's done. That's amazing. So, Otho nu aladvan. Um, oh, that's beautiful. That that's and great. that video yeah. where you described that, so, I think the first one so beautifully was from October of 2021. And I think it's yeah. pinned 
Yeah, um, it's pinned. It's still pinned so you can, because it's yeah. the, it's the one I'm most proud of. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. And then I like that. It, and then it seemed like from a comment, then you went through and did like, okay, well, let's talk about um, androgynous or agender, non-binary. Yeah, people, people had questions. Folks. That was and, awesome. And the more, the more yeah. I thought about it, the more the metaphor yeah. just kept expanding to include great. people. And and so I did compile it all into a blog post on my website. So if anyone's curious, my website is elfboy.com, E-L-F hyphen B-O-I.com. Com. Uh, we'll put that in you the can show sign notes. up for yeah yes. you can you can sign up for my mailing list if you want to learn elvish i'm still working on lessons eventually that'll be a thing uh i'm working with linguist fiona jowlings who made a fan's guide to neo sindarin fantastic book in 2017 uh they are working on the second edition mm-hmm. and my video lessons are going to be based on that new edition that isn't out yet so cool. Cool. i'm working on it that's great. Just be patient. <laughs> I got to get top surgery first and then I'll dive into it. Yeah. Um, but that'll be really fun. If anybody's interested, please sign up for the mailing list on my website. And uh, yeah. the blogs on my website are full of weird stuff like that. So if you want to do some deep dives or if you want to learn more about the metaphor, my blogs are there for your enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. And we'll link it on the show in the show notes. So yeah. the listeners go check oh, it out cool. there. Um, yeah, and run into uh, Chris's TikTok to check that out because that's a really beautiful video. It's amazing. I was so proud of myself when I managed to answer that question because it was it's a really perfect. tough one to crack. I was like, I'm going to have to get really creative in order to make this work. And then it just, it, it ended up working so beautifully. I'm very, very happy with it. It's very yeah, cool. and the comment section is so nice. It's just people feeling, it's just really a beautiful. People feeling seen. Yeah, Pe- People feeling amazing. like, oh, so they're, they're you know, like, there is no overt, like overt, explicit, canonical queerness in mm-hmm. Tolkien. Now, you could argue that things are up for interpretation and, and adaptation, and I think that would be absolutely true. But canonically, explicitly, nothing, nothing exists because Tolkien doesn't tend to go into sex at all. Therefore, it doesn't matter. Um, it just doesn't matter to the story that he's telling. Sure. And, and you shouldn't have to pigeonhole stuff in there. Basically, the the idea being that there's nothing explicit, but that's where lens becomes so important. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's why the metaphor was so important. That's what I was coming back yeah. to. Uh, so the, the reason that the metaphor resonated with so many people is because there is nothing explicit in the canon. And so being seen, being acknowledged in just a silly elvish metaphor it made people feel like I could have lived amongst the elves because people like me could have existed amongst the elves. It's nothing, it's not something that is in the canon and therefore me adding to it in a way that included so many people who don't get seen. Uh, it really resonated with people and, and that made me super happy. We saw a similar thing. We interviewed uh, a woman named Don Walls Thuma a while ago now, a couple of years ago now, and she's been in the Tolkien fan fiction community for ages and she writes uh one of her the things that she doesn't does is the tolkien fan fiction survey where she puts out this survey and gets responses back from all the fan fiction writers and compiles this really interesting survey of what they write why they write it what are their interests in writing it how did they come into the fandom fascinating to me because i've been part of fandom for so long the 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 vast majority of the fan fiction that i wrote was never published 
Um, only a couple pieces of fan fiction that I wrote are yeah. actually still on the internet. Um, oh, sure. We can send you the link. A, a it's really of, interesting. Oh, yeah. I'd love to hear about that. But one of the yeah, things she, that she found was that a lot of people had a, a very specific interest in reparation, uh, reparation and reclamation of the material, specifically for like queer, yes. l- through a queer lens. And there were very, you know, it depended on the sites. So, some sites were much more focused on that than others. But I thought it like was really... Library of Moria. <laughs> Library of Moria was a fan fiction site back in the day. It still does right. exist, mm-hmm. uh, but recently it has been moved. Everything that was on Library of Moria is in the process of or has been moved to AO3. Mm-hmm. Um, but Library of Moria, my my partner started that website. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh she Dawn mentions it in her published work. It's one of the yeah. ones Library she of Moria was a, was originally yeah. Sandra's oh. Sandra's baby. Uh, Sandra Amazing. also ran Jimena which was a Sailor Moon fan fiction archive wow. um, back in the day. So like, yeah, my partner was into fan fiction uh, and, and was very passionate, like you're saying, about having queer identity represented in the fan, the fandom itself and, and just normalizing it as part of fandom. That, that's what we were really passionate about. And so, yeah, that's so cool that it's even mentioned. It was very yeah. cool. I will have to check this out for sure. Yeah, she f- goes by Dawn Feligan, um, but we'll, we'll link it. It's dawnfeligan.com is her, is her website. Awesome. It's Can't a wait. very interesting survey. And that was the part that I found when I was going through all the data and was prepping for that interview. The part that I picked out that I thought was the most interesting was the, the people that I self-identified as wanting to, to, like the purpose of writing fan fiction for them was to repair or to fix the things that they thought were missing in Tolkien or to, to make it, to make it, uh, fit better with their own personal identities and stuff. To append. Append, I think would be a That's a great way of putting it. it. Yeah. It's not necessarily amending. We don't want to go back and necessarily change stuff. We just want to shift things to include something else. That's a great way Um, of putting it. So, so appending the material to, to include people with, other, you know, sexual and gender identities. That is, yeah, that's exactly why I wrote fan fiction. That's exactly why my partner and I were constantly doing it because uh, that's cool. it was part of our identity that we didn't see in the world. And so we created it. And that was sometimes with original characters and it was sometimes just adding depth to existing characters. Um, I play Thranduil very, very pan. <laughs> He's very <laughs> bisexual, pansexual. Like... That's- that feels if, appropriate. If he that's wants perfect. you, he's just gonna take you, and that—that's, and you're gonna thank him later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will. It's—it's <laughs> it's consensual. It's consensual. Okay. Like yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I don't think he'd be into non-con. Uh, not that way, but yeah, like just you know, and and the affirmation for for kinky people as well. Letting kink be a part of fandom in any way, shape, or form is so much fun. And, yeah. and just, you know, add a little spice. <laughs> it's, it's harmless Perfect. and it's so it much is. fun. And it just, yeah. there's, there's such a broad, a broad lived experience in the world. And bringing that into the Tolkien fandom is a joy for fan fiction authors. Yeah. Um, and so you can, you can go dark and angsty. Like I've read some really dark stuff when it comes to like, Morgoth and Maedros when Maedros I was, is, you know, pinned to Thangor. I was just going to say, is, does it involve Maedros? Because 
everything poor, I've ever read Midros. with Midros is real <laughs> messed an, up. He's an angsty boy. Um, yeah. Just you know, we, we love torturing communities him. Whipping we love boy. torturing him. He really is just Literally so much fun. Sometimes he takes it so well. Um, <laughs> he likes it. <laughs> he likes it. It's fine. Uh, no, I typically do. You know, he gets a little fucked in the head when when Morgoth gets his claws into him. Uh, but, uh, no, like you can go really, really dark and angsty. You can go pure freaking fluff if you Mm -hmm. want to like, and, and my favorite thing to do with my partner, just us specifically was to take elves that had really bad luck or just, you know, had really dark stories and give them a happy ending in Valinor. That's what oh. we love to do. Nice. So Thranduil was one of those characters. Thranduil being connected to Greenwood and experiencing the poisoning of his forest, which I feel like he was very connected to. Because uh, even in canon, there's a note that Thranduil never felt secure. Thranduil believed that Shadow would rise again from the get-go. He didn't trust that Sauron was done. And so he was waiting and he was watchful. and And he knew instantly when when Dol Guldur became a thing because that became part of his forest and it just, the poison sent tendrils out into the wood and he could feel it. Um, so there, there's always a connection between Thranduil and the forest he inhabits. And so, like, poor guy go, goes through quite a lot and doesn't have a ring of power to back him up. So... Yeah, Thranduil, mad respect for that character. He eventually sails west, and then we don't know. And so Sandra and I wanted badly for him to have a happy ending, and I felt the same way about Gwyndor, who mm-hmm. is the elf who brings Turin Turambar into Nargothrond, oh. and then the whole yeah. thing falls apart. Oh, uh, the, 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 lady, the lady that Gwyndor loved falls out of love with him and in love with Turin. Uh, Turin... Oh you know, talks over him mm. in all the council sessions and just leads to the entire realm falling. And and Gwyndor's last request with his dying breath is save Finduila, save the woman that I love, that we both love. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you don't, your fate will find you. And sure enough, Turin doesn't save her and fate does find him. Yeah, but Gwyndor, Gwyndor dies in pain, sad and alone. And I was like, that's unfair. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, leave it to Tolkien good. to give us a tragic ending. Um, yes. So I Tolkien was just like, these tragedy. two... I'm like, these two characters deserve each other. These Aww. two characters went through some shit and they just need someone who's going to be devoted to them. And Aww. and so we put them together, Gwyndor and Thranduil. And That's that so was, nice. and it's not an easy road for them because they're very different characters, but, but somehow it clicked and worked and it was our, it was our OTP. Those That's two. Beautiful. That's great. Random freaking characters and we just make them happy in Valinor. So you can get <laughs> as fluffy as you want. I think we paired Lindir with Karanthir in hmm. in Valinor after oh, wow. after it all <laughs> because who's going to love a son of Feanor yeah. this guy and and it's just like you're in a different yeah. time there's not the pressure of war there's not the oath to weigh you down we can finally give you a happy ending and and we loved doing that so that was our favorite thing to do <laughs> that's amazing i think that's lovely and beautiful yeah, we can I mean, we can uh, transition a little bit into yeah, uh, talking about just uh, the reason fan fiction exists is because Tolkien's approach to relationships doesn't really allow for sexuality. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. but in not allowing for sexuality, it accidentally allows for all sexuality. It's it's a strange juxtaposition. So. <laughs> 
Tolkien rarely focuses on sexual desire as a part of relationships. He skews very much more toward the spiritual side mm. of relationships. The the value of relationships is measured in loyalty, in shared hardship, in compassion, in vulnerability. Uh, you know, he's very no toxic masculinity allowed. Like all of the really good relationships that we love in these books tend to be the ones where that's left outside. They yeah. leave that at the door and and they get vulnerable and they don't mind being physical with each other, but it's not sexual in nature. There's no automatic sexual overtone to Sam taking Frodo's hand. It's right. a gesture of love and devotion. Mm -hmm. It's not overtly sexual. Right. Um, and so in, in concentrating on this more spiritual side of relationships, Tolkien sort of accidentally made everyone asexually romantic. <laughs> he great. didn't know it. Yeah. I, I'm sure he didn't have terms for that and was not actively thinking about it. But every most relationships that we see in the books are inherently demi. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm I'm down yeah. for it because yeah. the romanticism is absolutely there. You see, you know, Beren and Luthien, you you hear stuff about Elrond falling for Celebrian, uh, Aragorn with Arwen, which are all part of the same family tree. Hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you get these wonderful love stories and then you have things that have the overtones but aren't ever explored in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and some of my favorite pairings skew very queer because they aren't sexual and therefore with that not bogging it down you can just call it a relationship because that's what it is mm -hmm. and you can you can feel in your soul that it's just deep friendship that's fine you can view it as a non-sexual life partnership um, which is what I shared with my partner. We weren't physical with each other. We, ju we just wrote characters that boinked like bunnies. <laughs> that was our way of expressing sexuality with each other. But we were, I never even French kissed my partner and I was with her for 12 years. And people were like, wait, what? How? Why? Um, it's what worked for us. And yeah. it didn't invalidate the relationship at all. Yeah. Uh, certainly my family didn't understand it until she passed and they saw the sheer level of my grief and they were like, wow, you were more serious than we thought. And I'm like, I didn't have to fuck her for it to mean something. Right, so right. because of that, I, I really connect with certain pairings in the fandom um, and, and just in the canon, things that do exist, but they're never spelled out. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we see a lot of deep friendships uh, without toxic masculinity and it, it elevates finding common ground in a world that is othering you uh, and in various ways. And so like one example of this is uh, Gimli and Legolas. Mm -hmm. They're being mm -hmm. othered by each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, never thought I'd fight, die fighting side by side with an elf, you know, because yeah. elves are other and other is not to be trusted. Uh, mm -hmm. But the, the feeling is reciprocated. It's, you know, ugh, dwarf, ugh. <laughs> uh, but they, they find common ground and that's what makes their friendship so wonderful mm -hmm. and, and just this deep abiding friendship to the point that they sailed a Valinor together. You went oh. to heaven together. It's so right. nice. Tell me that's not somehow <laughs> queer. Yeah. It's just a little bit gay. 
Um, <laughs> right. But but it is because we're not worried about sex. Mm-hmm. Because we aren't even dealing with that, it means that, that you can term it differently, but it doesn't invalidate the relationship as it is. Yeah. It can simply be. And, and that's wonderful. And, and it opens up the door for queer interpretation. And that's the lens through which I view things because I am a queer individual. So, you know, some of my favorite fandom pairings are just canonical pairings that I just feel can be viewed through a queer lens, Frodo and Sam, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are so many instances where, where they are outright proclaiming their love of each other. Yeah. Um, little That's physical beautiful. gestures, but, but really just the unwavering support and acts of service in times of hardship. Mm-hmm. Um, they see each other through the darkest point in their lives. And even though Frodo is forever changed and can no longer enjoy Middle Earth or the Shire, for what it is, and he leaves, they do eventually get reunited because Sam lives his life and then follows him to Valinor. And I'm just like, that's a life partner. Like, (laughs) it's amazing. You can term it as just, you know, oh, best friends, sure, but that's also like the ultimate desire to be together in the end. Yeah. And and I think that's beautiful. So you you get that with Frodo and Sam, you get it with uh, Turin and Beleg, in the Silmarillion, Turin being a mortal man, Beleg being his elvish best friend, um, roommate, quote unquote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but their story is very much a, a tale of love is patient, love is kind, mm. um, loving someone through all of their mistakes and letting them make those mistakes and supporting them through the fallout. That's that's what Beleg does the entire time he's yeah. with Turin. And he yeah. gives him his space. Because sometimes Turin's like, I'm not going back to Doriath. I'm going to do my own thing. No, I'm not leaving this band of bandits. I'm going to be their head and you can't stop me. And Beleg's like, okay. <laughs> he's like, that makes oh. me really sad. But okay. And I'm and I'm going to be up in Dimbrath. And whenever... <laughs> is it Dimbrath? No, it's... Oh, I can't remember. It might be Dimbrath. I, I'm forgetting. It's a very specific yeah. region near Ergogoroth, um, <laughs> north of Doriath. I'm just throwing terms out there to confuse people mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, <laughs> but he's like, I'll be here. If you need me, that's where I'll be. Yeah. Uh, and, and Turin does not seek him out. But Beleg seeks him out because he's just like, it's, it's been a while. Oh. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> he's like, I know you're not okay. You're never okay. But can, can I help? Yeah, and so Beleg's there's just, there's a deep, and, and, and Beleg outright says that he loves Turin as well in, in the story. Mm-hmm. Love doesn't necessarily have to mean sex. Mm-hmm. Sex is one aspect of some relationships. Um, but it, it need not be the defining attribute of any of them. So I think that's sort of the, the, <laughs> the tale within Tolkien. Uh, mm-hmm. And then last but not least, my personal favorite, just because it's a terrible relationship, is Celebrimbor and Anatar. <laughs> <laughs> that one's been getting a lot of press lately. Yeah. A lot of press lately for good reason. Um, mm-hmm. But Celebrimbor is the elf who created the Rings of Power. Uh, the, he is the second greatest elven smith to exist 
the only one surpassing him being his grandfather, Feanor, who made the Silmarils. <laughs> Man, think so, about trying to live up to that reputation. That's got to be rough. Yeah. yeah, I made an entire blog post about defining attributes of Celebrimbor's personality uh, and hoping that ways that I was hoping they would be nuanced into the Rings of Power. Yeah. Uh, so that's a fun blog post. But also, Celebrimbor bisexual icon? Um, <laughs> Yay. Because canonically, Celebrimbor has a thing for Galadriel. Hmm. And, and it's obviously oh. never returned. He, no. he, he loves her and he admires her openly. Uh, but she, the entire time, you know, other than when they were in Valinor, most of their time that they've known each other, she's been with Celeborn. And right. that is okay. <laughs> and so it's never going to happen, Celebrimbor. But he, he absolutely accepts that for what it is. And then enter Sauron as Anatar. And just he falls head over freaking heels. He listens to everything that Anatar says and he takes it in and it changes him and he lets it. Wow. Uh, it's, it's the, it, and you know, Sauron of course is not going in with, with pure intentions. Um, this is a very, very toxic relationship. Right. Uh, and, and it shows the ability of Sauron to seduce the soul because it's mm -hmm. not when, when Tolkien says seduction, when he says Myron was seduced by Melkor in, into the service of the dark Lord, he's not talking about sex. He's talking about appealing to something intrinsic to your being and, and pulling it and twisting it to someone else's mm -hmm. device, mm. you know, and that's what Sauron does. He, mm -hmm. he engages with Celebrimbor. He flatters him. He, he wiggles his way into Celebrimbor, learns everything he possibly can about him and then twists it to his own design. Yeah. And so it's horrifically toxic. Right. But but we see this beautiful story of just them being incredibly intimate uh, that, you know, there's nothing more intimate than the creation of something and not just, mm. you know, procreation, but the artistic creation and, and creative space that is held in Tolkien's world for, you know, th they even say it in Rings of Power, true creation requires sacrifice. Mm. Yeah. You yeah. give something of yourself. Muriel, yeah. when she birthed Feanor, gave so much of her own spirit that she herself basically expired. She yeah. went to the halls of Mendos and never came back. Right. True creation of something great requires sacrifice. And, and there is energy that is imparted upon these items that we see prevalently in Middle-earth. The One Ring being one of them. Yeah. Um, the Silmarils being another example, but but all of these great creative processes involve something very intimate. Uh, this is a sharing of your being. Something of your spirit is being shared. And Sauron is sharing that space with Celebrimbor as they make the Rings of Power. And, and to me, like, that is beyond sexual <laughs> that's something yeah. even deeper and that's what makes it so insidious and so evil because it's not just a physical attraction and and a seduction of Celebrimbor being like I'm sexy boy uh <laughs> come hither it's it's very much a I'm everything you need right now yeah mine wow. is the voice you should listen to right everything that you're dreaming of I can make happen 
And that and that amazing. is is the ultimate seduction where you give up something of yourself to to somebody else. Yeah. And and you you're trusting them with it and Sauron is not trustworthy. <laughs> right. But it's oh, incredibly so well it's incredibly intimate. And and so these are things that can be viewed as incredibly queer. But they don't have to be. And I think that's the beauty in it, is that the way that Tolkien writes these things, it becomes far more than physical. And because of that, it speaks to any kind of relationship, you know, any any relationship at all. And and so that removes it from the confines of of gender identity and sexuality as we know it. And it just enters into this very freeing space. And that's why fan fiction thrives. Yeah. Because Tolkien wrote it in such a way that it allows people to dream and insert themselves, no matter their identity, into these situations, into these characters, and feel part of themselves reflected back. Absolutely. There's definitely things we can glean from all of these very troubled and deep and nuanced characters that we find in ourselves that either we don't like about ourselves or maybe we do, who knows. But either way, there's some familiar threads to kind of pull at. Absolutely. And, and it's it's a mirror, I think, even within the Rings of Power and, you know, great segue. But even yeah. within the confines of the Rings of Power, we see this reflecting things you might not like about yourself in the interaction between Halbrand and Galadriel. Right. I was going to mention that. You see him you know, doing quite, this exact quite thing. Quite physically later in, in the mind fuckery that happens in the season finale, you know, spoiler yeah. alert. Um, right. You see that the connection between Halbrand and Galadriel, it's not necessarily romantic, but no, there it's... is a connection of identity of, yeah. of I've done terrible things and people are viewing me now like I am the enemy. You know, Galadriel feels like she was sent away because Gilgalad could no longer distinguish her from the enemy. And that hurts. That cuts deep. But mm -hmm. Sauron sees that and he's like, yeah, join the freaking club. He's like, that's been me from the get go. No right. one understands me. And you kind of do because you've touched the darkness, as they say. Um, and so when Galadriel is faced with that reflection, she recoils because she doesn't want to see that in herself. And, and she's like, you know, that you're, you're evil. And he's like, you used these words. I'm just saying what you said to me. Mm -hmm. And, and it makes her incredibly uncomfortable as it should. Right. Uh, but, but that's the, that's the beauty about Sauron as a character is holding a mirror to people and, and letting them see the dark parts of their personality and their failings. And I, I, I am such a simp for Sauron. That's <laughs> the great, the greatest bad guy ever. Yeah. Um, that scene and, where and he's the, tempting her is fantastic. It's so well done. Like I did not, I am, I am the first to say I did not want Halbrand to be Sauron. I did not want them to go that direction, but the way they ended up executing it was very well done was mm. so well done that I can't be mad. Mm -hmm. And I'm mad that I can't be mad. Like I want, I want to be outraged a little bit. You know, yeah. I, I wanted things to go a different direction, but it was so well written, well mm -hmm. executed cinematography wise, especially that sweeping shot that takes you from the, from the raft sideways to view their reflections in the water within this, <sighs> 
mindfuckery dreamscape that Sauron yeah. has contrived for Galadriel and seeing their reflections as these powerful beings, him being, you know, the, the long haired, because yes, he has long hair in the reflection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> him being this long haired Maya, you know, powerful being, Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and beside him, Galadriel as the dark queen Galadriel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and being shown that explicitly was yeah. just so brilliantly done. And just the, the, the way that Charlie Vickers, uh, delivered it. Mm-hmm. I was not complete. I was like, if Charlie Vickers ends up be- if Halbrand is Sauron, I'm going to have to see something more than I've been seeing from this actor. Mm-hmm. And he, he, blew me away like he brought it when he needed to the flip the switch was flipped and suddenly you saw the bits of Sauron that he was just keeping close to his chest the entire time and I could appreciate the uh the attention paid to uh to the deep lore of the motivation behind Sauron staying in Middle Earth yeah. Because people would be like, that's not true. I'm like, dude, that's Tolkien. Like, Tolkien wrote that in a letter himself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost <laughs> verbatim that he that he decided to stay originally with good intentions to heal what he had ruined in the first stage. And that just at some point, because Sauron is Sauron and his perfectionism and his need for efficiency kicks in. He's like, well, the most efficient way to fix everything that I broke is to take over the world. <laughs> that line being, being in, a complete in that scene. and utter tyrant, being a, you know, she, Galadriel's like, you would make me a tyrant, and he's like, it's efficient. <laughs> yeah, well, that that line where she's like, uh, you would rule or something like that. I can't remember exactly the phrasing, but she's like, you say something and you mean you would rule, and he's yeah, like, yeah, he's he's like, I want to heal things. She's like, you mean rule, and he's like, yeah, I like, see no difference. And his, he's completely nonplussed by this. Like, yes, obviously. Like, why, are you not, are, uh, was this not clear but from the beginning? right. And, and so we, we saw that is Sauron's character. That is the core of Sauron's character. And I loved that they gave him that. Yeah, that was because, great. Because in order for me to be won over by, by Halbrand being Sauron, they needed to show that. And they did. Yeah. And I was so satisfied. So even though I'm not happy with the direction they went, it was so well executed that I just can't be mad about it. And I'm willing to go <laughs> along with it at this point. I'm like, well done. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Golf. You convinced me. I was really convinced Tall Brand Golf was going to be a red herring. I really thought that they were going to have I, I Anatar really so already in a Regian. Just in a background scene. In yeah. Arabia, and have already whispering in Celebrimbor's ear about yeah. the whole Mithril can save the elves. Yeah. I, I thought, thought for that sure was totally that's contrived where we were by go. Sauron. I thought that was where yeah. we were going. And, and yep. you know, I'm, there's still disappointment there, but uh, someone, someone on Twitter put it in wonderful terms. Uh, they responded to, to me being like, dude, the, the disappointment is real. It's okay. Um, but I'm, I can't be mad because it was so well executed. And they said, this is us making lemonade from lemons we didn't want. Mm. And, and I was like, yeah, I'm like, I, I didn't want lemonade, but you handed me lemons. And when you add enough sugar to it, I mean, it's not so bad. It's, it's not the apple cider I ordered, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this lemonade's pretty damn good. I'll, yeah. take uh, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so that's, that's sort of the vibe that I've gotten. <laughs> 
And not everyone shares that opinion and that is okay. But, but I feel like I got a really good lemonade when I ordered something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. That's a good way to say it. Absolutely. Yep. So do you feel like rings of power filled in? Because, you know, one thing that um, like Corey Olson from Signum said kind of at the beginning of rings of power is like, guys, remember this is all, this is um, folks. This is, this is fan fiction. This it's is not fan fiction. Meant, yeah, yeah. Every don't, adaptation don't, is fan fiction. Exactly. I think people, it's not people gonna, like to say fan yes. fiction like it's a derogatory term. Yeah. Um, oh, it's just fan fiction. Stop that. Because yeah. fan fiction can be exquisite. It's the yeah. best. Um, Absolutely. I have, I have read careers. some. I, I can't. Of course I can't because my brain doesn't do this. I can't just rattle off some fanfics that are amazing for you all. But... Yes, there is a slush pile. There is a lot of really terrible shit out there. But (laughs) when you find a really, truly brilliant fanfic, it's something that you couldn't just file off the serial numbers and publish because it's so intrinsic to the world Mm. that it can't just be removed. But it adds something to the world that you couldn't otherwise. And and so, yeah, fan fiction can be exquisite and superb yeah. and i really wish people would stop using the term fan fiction derogatorily so Agreed. when people say Agreed. that these adaptations you know peter jackson it's fan fiction yeah of course <laughs> it's fan Absolutely. fiction guys arwen wasn't at helm's deep you right. know like uh, the elves period weren't at helm's deep where's arkenbrand uh, <laughs> you know like gl- yeah. it's it's glorfindel who rides the horse right. you know right. you know yeah. nor or limb that's totally him yeah um but um psh, but <laughs> You know, like, yes, they replaced Glorfindel with Arwen to give her more screen time. Were people mad about it? Absolutely they were. I remember. Uh, oh, yeah, gosh. <laughs> I Because my first experience with Tolkien was watching Fellowship of the Ring, I didn't know that that wasn't canon until I then read the books. Mm-hmm. And then all of people being angry suddenly made sense. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm like, see, I didn't think it was a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know that there are fans of Rings of Power who are like, dude, why are people screaming so loud? Right. It's fine. Like, yeah. what were they expecting? Because they don't know any better or just because it doesn't bother them. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's something healthy about just letting the fanfic be the fanfic. And if you don't like it, that's yeah. fine. Stop watching. Yeah. Can you talk a little <laughs> bit about your, so with this Rings of Power fanfic. Can you talk a little bit about the use of some of the languages that we find here sure. um, within the show? Because I'd love to hear your oh, thoughts yeah, on that. Oh, yeah, because I definitely have delved into that, especially with my Twitter thread. Good Lord. <laughs> constant, constant yes. effort the last two months. So in the show, y- you can break it between written language, like written alphabets versus spoken languages. So w- when it comes to alphabets, we have three main alphabets that are used in Tolkien's world at this point in Tolkien history. So you have the Tengwar, or the Feanorian alphabet. This is the scripty one that we see on the One Ring in The Lord of the Rings. Is beautiful. Um, <laughs> is also used for several different languages. Yeah. Uh, in Rings of Power, we see it used for Sindarin, uh, when Elrond is writing Gilgalad's speech. The speech itself is written in Sindarin in Tengwar. Um, so it is the Sindarin spoken language being written in Tengwar. Uh, other places, the schematics that Celebrimbor has, those are all written in Tengwar as well, but it's English written in Tengwar. Oh, wow. Um, so those we can actually read. So again, see Twitter thread. I, I break all of that down. Yeah. Uh, you then have the Kirth or the runic right. alphabet. 
this was originally created by the elves and used by the elves uh, and then later adapted by the dwarves mm, to okay. to include crystal. Uh, mortal men use it as well. So you'll you'll see the runes anywhere and, yeah. and it, it would be canonical for everyone to use them. Uh, mm. But originally the elves created them. So the Kirth are used primarily for Kuzdul, uh, which mm-hmm. is the Dwarvish language. We see that on the door that leads into Moria. Uh, or, yes. sorry, Khazad-dum. It's not Moria yet, it's Khazad-dum. Right. Okay, uh, so the door leading into Khazad-dum is completely covered with all of these runes. Those are Kuzdul written in. Uh, I believe it's Angerthas Eregion. It's either Angerthas Eregion or Angerthas Moria. It's one of the two. Um, mm. Because they're d- much like writing English or Sindarin or Quenya using the Tengwar, you can do the same thing with the Kirth. So oh. there are different forms or modes, they are called, of the Kirth. So Angerthas Dairon is the original runic alphabet that was used by the elves. Angerthas Eregion was expanded so that it could include other languages. So mm. that was what the dwarves started to use, and then they further adapted it to their own language, and that's when we get Angerthas Moria, Angerthas mm. Erbor. Um, so you get these other modes, but it's all the same written alphabet. Wow. Uh, so, so we've got Tengwar, we've got Kirth, and then new to the show is a Numenorean alphabet. Um, this one had to be decoded, and it took several hours. <laughs> but I, I made at least a, a working page uh, that has all of the characters that we know and, and what they translate to. Now, the Numenorean alphabet is primarily used for English in the show, whenever you see it, usually what is being written is English if you know how to decode it. But it was also used, there's a calendar behind Elendil. Uh, when he's reading the proclamation saying the queen is going to Middle Earth and we're taking volunteers, uh, behind him is this message board. There's a lot of Tengwar on it and the Tengwar is English, uh, written in Tengwar. And then there are also the Numenorean alphabet is up there and it's actually Quenya. <laughs> Oh my god! In Numenorean, that makes sense, I guess. Wow. Uh, be- because because the calendar that's used by the Numenoreans uses the names for months that are in Quenya. Mm. Oh, so okay. when you see this calendar behind him, it has the the Elvish names for the months and seasons. Tricky. Oh, yeah. that's cool. So they got creative with it. It's so cool. Um, you noticed all these things. I was just like, this, this is what I looking do. at him. <laughs> this is what I know. Like everyone's like, ooh, Elendilf, with an F on the end because yeah. Um, oh yeah and you're like can you move your head I want to see the calendar a little more clearly dude you're blocking the view Um, (laughs) I'm ace can you tell Um, (laughs) yeah I'm like if it's not Sauron I'm not simping Um, (laughs) but but no like I I really was concentrating on details and, and I got so upset whenever there was like you know, like, uh, when Galadriel is having her fight with the Numenorians when, when she's training with the soldiers, there's a shot that shows like an alleyway with a bunch of people just standing in front of it. There are characters on the wall, but it's fuzzy and I can't read it. No! <laughs> <laughs> I get oh, so they gotta annoyed. send you the set. It's they gotta send so you there. frustrating because <laughs> I, I can see that they put so much detail 
into these sets and and not being able to to decode everything is so annoying for <laughs> for language geeks like me but uh we do see variants of these languages too so with the written languages there are several points where we see things that seem to be hybrids mm-hmm. of the languages and it's typically when numenor like something from numenor is being written down but it's old enough that you can tell that they're transitioning from Quenya to Adenaic. Oh, interesting. And and so they go from from using the Tengwar characters and the Kirth to slowly shifting it into the Numenorean alphabet. And because I don't know the process that they went through to do that, I can't read those documents. <laughs> oh, dang it. Um, so, so I'm just like, some of these look like they're, they're shifting a Tengwar character into the Numenorean alphabet. I'm like, but this makes no sense. And I can't, I don't have the time or energy to decode that. Like that's, that's beyond me. I'm a geek, but I'm not that devoted. Um, (laughs) I have limits or something. (laughs) Right. So, so we see variants that are used for the hybrids in Numenor when Numenor is sort of establishing its own identity. Uh, And then we also see a variant of Tengwar used for black speech, but because we don't know a lot of black speech, from Tolkien directly, um, there it's harder to read. If it's not Ashnaz, you know, Thrakatuluk, Ashnaz Dimbatul, you know, it's uh, if it's not the stuff that we've actually seen in the canon, it's much more difficult. Um, Though apparently neo neo black speech is a thing and neo crystal is a thing. Um, I don't Amazing. know those languages, but people have poked me asking about them. Like, apparently, neocoastal exists. So <laughs> that's wild. Out. I don't teach it. So but cool. Yeah, basically taking the structure that Tolkien put in place and then expanding upon it. Now, with Elvish, there's enough of a framework there that you can typically do pretty well with canonical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to make certain assumptions about grammar and syntax, and and once you make those assumptions, you have your particular form of Neosindrin um, or Neoquenya. But when you get to Kuzdul or Black Speech, these are languages that were never fully fleshed out, and there's just not a lot of existing canonical vocabulary. Because of that, you end up just having to make shit up. Yeah. Um, which is <laughs> yeah. what they did in the Peter Jackson films. The, the Dwarvish that was used in the Peter Jackson films was completely backwards manufactured. Sure. Uh, one line from John Rhys Davies that he says, I think it's the Ishka Queen, Aidulug Nul, which is what he you know says to Hal in the extended edition of the Fellowship of the Ring, um, he didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> oh, no. And they didn't really, they didn't have a translation for it, but they were like, here's what we kind of want you to say. And so he, he says the line and then they backwards manufactured it into being like, mm. oh, something, something about pissing on the graves of the no bearded people. <laughs> I mean, it's really Jeez. rude. And that's why, that's why Aragorn like, Gimli. He's, he's like, that was not, <laughs> that was not very polite. Yeah. Um, I love that scene personally. It's a great scene. Um, but, but that is sort of the, the manner in which you had to go about creating these languages. You just sort of back, backward manufactured mm. rules for the language based on something that sounded cool. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I think of the movies I, and Sindarin, I have to ask David Salos Sindarin, do you have a hot mm-hmm. take on Salos Sindarin? Uh, I honestly, Salos Sindarin is very similar to what Sandra taught me back in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's not been updated since then, so it's absolutely outdated at this point. Uh, the most updated version that we currently have that, that's actually structured in a way that you could learn it is Fiona Jollings, A Fan's Guide to Neosindarin. It was p- uh, published in 2017, and she's working on a second edition that will further update it. Cool. So she's actually making an effort to continue <laughs> versus David Solo. He wrote his book, and he, I don't think he's really touched it much since, um, <laughs> though I don't know him personally, so maybe he hasn't. I just don't know. Um, I'm not that well connected. Yeah. But uh, But as far as rules that he chose to to do there there's contention in the linguistic circle about it yeah that's my um, but i don't, I, know I don't particularly well. have any strong feelings um i have a sense of a, of appreciation because it was the first elvish that i heard um and and it resonated and that's why i wanted to learn it so i i yeah. certainly appreciate the work that he did for the films uh, because that then inspired my partner to make her lessons, and that's what mm-hmm. taught me. So it's all connected, and there's there's no hate. It's just that I do know yeah. that that version is currently outdated. Yeah, I just know that the uh, Salo Sindarin was uh, contentious at the time uh, oh, among the linguists yeah. when it came out. I, I was year, even years later when I was entering into the into the linguistics community. I rem- remember a lot of remarks about. Uh, not yeah, using Salo Sindarin. It's elvish.net or elvish.org. It's it's uh, yeah. the the website for the official elf conners, um, which are the people who have had access to the notes and have been sifting through them for decades at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. Carl being the yeah. the most recognizable name in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they they definitely did not appreciate some of the things that Salo did with the language, but. Also, Salo didn't have access to the documents that they did. So what did they expect him to do? They also um, so don't get he, on board with his, I think he did his best. Either. Like the official, L, the, the ELF like doesn't, like does not, like just doesn't in, embrace the idea of like Neosindrin or Neoquenya, which I always thought was sort of a backward stance to take. It's so uh, limiting. They've, it's just like, well, I guess we're not ever going to be able to really use it. Bye. You know. Well, I, I, I can dumb. say for certain that they've they've relaxed a little bit, at least to the point that Carl Hotstetter himself is is the linguist working with the Rings of Power. That's cool. He's That's under NDA, so so they're definitely tapping him for knowledge. Yeah. Um, but uh, and that's that's why he apparently had corrections for me. <laughs> so, that's funny. so, cool. so you know, like he was obviously the one behind it, and so he would have insight that maybe the rest of us don't. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the exact execution of lines, there is there are errors from various actors uh, yeah. where they just they mess up a vowel sound and that changes the meaning of things. Mm. Um, but it's it's nitpicky stuff. But uh, they did have him working on the linguistic side of things, and they did have uh, Laith McPherson working on the dialect coaching side of things. Uh, but she's also apparently very, very passionate about the source material. So I think the two of them working in conjunction with each other, they, they were certainly making a great effort. Uh, and, and in that case, Carl himself has been involved in Neosindrin because you need Neosindrin yeah. in, in order to do dialogue for a show like this. Yeah, I guess my only exposure to their stance was the essay he wrote, the Elvish as she is spoke essay that mm. he wrote. 
I don't know, 15, Gosh. 20 years ago now. Yeah, that's that's a long, long time ago. Uh, but it's, I know it, I read it, but I don't remember it. It's <laughs> right? real Either. snarky. It's, a it's long time real ago. snarky. Yeah. Uh, uh, but purists, it's, yes. Yeah. It's very, it's very purist. Um, kind of pretentious. Yeah. It's okay. But I, I, I hope that they've relaxed a little bit because I, I, I'm not a Cinderin speaker by any stretch. Uh, I'm yeah. much more of a Quenya dork. Uh, That's but great, I, though. We need you. <laughs> I find a lot of joy in the languages, and I think you need the, I think you need both sides. I think you need the purists that approach it from a purely academic stance and you need the, oh, sure. the neo, the neocon language people. Uh, you need both. There's, there's a balance. There's a balance to be struck because yeah. certainly you want people who are very true to canon, who can be like, you know, uh, to put you in perspective for knowing what is and is not canonical. I think that's very important. And, and I wish that most linguists would note when they are departing from canon, when they know that they are, you know, this is the way I am choosing to do this. Others might disagree. This is a departure point. And then, you know, you can at least go in knowing that, okay, this is a neologism. Fiona tends to be very, very good about that, which is part of why I appreciate her work so much. Yeah. Um, but then you do need people who are trying to disseminate that information in a way that's palatable and pushing the boundaries people, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Can inspire people to remain into the language because if all you're going to learn is just what was written and that is all, and you don't give yourself room to play with it, then the joy is, is not going to last nearly as long. And you certainly won't continue to bring in fresh faces to Agreed. learn and enjoy the languages. So what I Great try point. to do, my particular stance on it is I want, you know, I'm, I'm even a level down from the people who are doing the Neo stuff and, and have a linguistic background and are really into it. I'm, I'm still a level down from them where my job, you know, as I see it is to learn as much as I, as I can of the language and in my own way, sort of, you know, dumb it down, but just make it bite-sized so that yeah. people's attention spans can, you know, handle it, but put out videos or verbal lessons or what have you put out information so that people can learn as much as they want to. Yeah. Rather than feeling like if I'm learning Elvish Duolingo, we're going for it and it's going to be hardcore. <laughs> Um, I feel like people should be able to learn as much or as little as they want and have yeah. fun with it. I want people to enjoy the languages. I want people's knowledge of the languages to enhance their experience of the fandom and enhance their experience of adaptations. Mm -hmm. So that's why I concentrate on things that do appear in adaptations or, you know, doing silly, silly stuff like phrases for tops and bottoms in <laughs> Elfish. Be why? Because I can. Right. Um, you know, it, are you ever going to actually use this? No, and, unless well, you have a that. very particular partner and they really like you speak in Elvish, go for it. Be yeah. a bratty bottom and and <laughs> get whooped. Um, and I can help you do that. And and so like that's me outreaching to fandom, having fun with it. Yeah. And just once people learn some of the basics of Elvish, then when they go back to read the books, they'll be like, huh. Like we talked about like the phrase, Otho knew Alad van, like Alad is from Galad and Galad is in Galadriel. Ooh. Galad Ooh. is in Gilgalad 
And so you start seeing patterns. And when those patterns appear, you start being able to decode all of the place and people names that are just so numerous in the legendarium. And everything is named in the languages that Tolkien created. And so that's one part that once you learn some of it, it opens the world up in a way that you're like, wow, that's really descriptive. Like, why, why did we name it Amun Lank? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Amun Lank being the bald hill, uh, which then later becomes Dol Guldur. That's the mm-hmm. original name for the hill on which Dol Guldur was built. Um, it really enriches that, that sense of uh, verisimilitude. Exactly. So, so yeah, it, it, it deepens the experience of the world. And no. so that's, that's why I want to bring it to a broader audience so people can learn bits and pieces. I do plan on making a series of videos that's just going to be a pronunciation guide and what the name means uh, yes. and basically do like <laughs> an A to Z and compile a list. <laughs> Uh, just really brief videos Great. and then people can just scroll through and, and, you know, I don't know how to pronounce this. I see this word in the book and I don't know how to pronounce it. Please help. Oh, uh, great. in most cases I can help. So, yeah. you know, Maedros, most people are like my, 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 like, yes, how, <laughs> and I'm like, it's my the DH is a the sound. It's a voiced TH, but people don't know that. And so yeah. they, they get they get stumble stumbly all over it. And then they're like, Oh, the Silmarillion. I just can't. There are too many names that I don't know how to say. Um, mm-hmm. and so if I can help them with that, maybe they can enjoy the Silmarillion to a greater extent. Too. Maybe and they'll enjoy that chapter full of river names. Oh man. You're talking <laughs> about chapter 14, favorite. aren't you? <laughs> chapter 14. Yep. Everybody's <laughs> favorite. It's realms. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> I love it though. That's uh, one of my favorites. <laughs> it's a, it's because a running once you, joke Once with you us. know Elvish, yep. it's so much fun because you're like, oh, that's what that river means. Um, <laughs> and, and you see later on how it becomes significant later in a plot point that just, you, you don't realize the connections are all there and that Tolkien was very sort of tongue in cheek about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Making, making, you know, an elf who is the bard in Imladris and just naming him Lindir, which is just right. singer. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see, you see adaptations taking a cue from that because you get original characters in the Rings of Power, like Tamar. His name means like Smith. It means Smith. And he is <laughs> the guy in the Smith Guild that gets beat up by Halbrand. Like it's his entire identity. And so they just named him Smith. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great little nod. I love that. Yeah. Like names and stuff, like the way that Tolkien approached it is like, you know, yes, names like Galadriel had a lot of thought put behind them and there are bits and pieces to make up that name. Uh, So, you know, that takes a bit more effort. But if it's not a major character, typically he just named them what they were. He just translated it into Elvish and there you go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Mordor, Mordor, Um, (laughs) it means black land, you know. Yeah. Not all of his the names are sophisticated. The mountain erupted and suddenly the land is black. They're like, not yeah. the Southlands anymore. <laughs> it's just black land. And you see Mordor pop up and I'm like, there's your sign. Yeah. <laughs> do we want to try and maybe, what do you think, Steph? Should we finish out? Yeah. Pretty much. Co- we've covered most of it. I mean, yeah. uh, 
Just that I did already mention that, especially in Rings of Power, when English is being spoken for the audience, that's not the language they're actually speaking. Oh, that's and that point. will that will change based on who's on screen, and that's mm-hmm. why we don't hear a lot of Sindarin in the series. Yeah. Uh, the only time we hear Sindarin is when the characters are speaking to their horses, because oh. apparently horses speak Sindarin. Oh, yay! Horses, my favorite. That's so so they're, they're, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's there. I'm gonna have to learn Sindarin. Is that what you're I telling me? I was just me? gonna okay. say, if you want to talk to horses, you have to speak Sindarin. <gasps> All right. Apparently. Okay, good. Well, good thing uh, I can yeah, go Nor- to Norlin is Sindarin and Athai uh, and no, what was it? No Eith something. Um, there's there's a phrase that Elendil says to, to the horse where it's like, you know, be at peace, rest. Everything's fine. He's just oh comforting the horse. Can you make uh, a video about that so I can learn it and then say I it to will, I will. Horse Please Sindarin. do. Everything's on the Twitter thread, but I am going to adapt yes. the Twitter thread into video format okay, so good. that people on TikTok can enjoy it. I just it. want to hear you say it. It sounds so good. It's so okay. much fun. It's um, so good. But but yes, yeah, so apparently horses speak Sindarin in the Rings of Power. Um, and I'm just bitter that I'm not hearing more Sindarin because that's my particular specialty. <laughs> All this Quenya that I don't know how to speak. Um, <laughs> I was proud when I could pick out a few words from whatever Quenya was being spoken without the subtitles uh that was my my bit of joy (laughs) and i'm like i'm learning something yeah (laughs) um but there i have a lot i still have a lot of room for improvement especially with quenya because i just don't know the language so you know like it's a journey and i'm glad that people are coming along on that journey with me and that's what my tiktok was all about so uh hopefully people can check out the twitter thread really enjoy all the little bits and pieces because it it's comforting Even if you don't like the show, if you aren't enjoying the adaptation, it is at least comforting to see that, yes, they did their research. Yes, Mm -hmm. they tried to put in a lot of little details and nods. You know, the runes that are on people's costumes actually mean something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's comforting to at least know that they are trying. Yeah. Yeah. So even if you don't end up liking the end product, you can at least appreciate that effort was made. <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard yeah. at this point for anyone to, in good faith, make an argument that the showrunners and the various people creating this show don't know the material and don't care. You can, yeah, y- you can disagree with the outcome with the what they've created, with the choices that have been made. Yeah, yeah because but I, obviously they know the lore and they are choosing where and when to depart from it, and yeah. that is where people are going to butt heads. But that's okay. I, I yeah. think that you can make normal arguments and ha- and be yeah. totally and that's right totally, totally <laughs> about valid your own to, opinions. To disagree there, but I don't, yeah, but don't, I don't just scream that it's woke garbage and right. devolve yes. into into noise. It just becomes noise at that point. Yeah, yeah and and so yeah, like I I love hearing other people's perspectives and and a lot of criticism that is being heaped at the show. I don't necessarily disagree with, or I at least see where they're coming from. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I feel that vitriol doesn't get anybody anywhere. Yeah. Great point. Absolutely. Yep. Well, I have to say that this, that, you know, the other thing about the rings of power is that this is, I think what we, we haven't said, but everyone understands is that this is bringing a whole new kind of generation and 
group of people into the legendarium who who for whatever reason weren't here before so that's great and I just think that creators like you Chris who are so welcoming and break things down into understandable chunks like you are an ambassador who is making this transition for them a lot easier and so like I just wanted to in a weird way like thank you for that because it's important work Um, and it's It's important it's, it's one of the joys of what I do I mean I make my money when people contact me through my website for custom commissions for Elvish that's where I make my money um I'm you know I I managed to get one sponsor, my very first sponsor, and it happened to be Phillips Hue, who was doing a a collaboration with the Rings of Power for lights that that do a certain thing with a certain command for what's-her-name. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, (laughs) The Machine. (laughs) Um, So that was the only sponsorship I've gotten. So I am not primarily paid by anybody. I, I make I make this stuff and I don't tend to get paid for it. It's the commissions and the connection that I've made with the fandom that pays my bills. Yeah. Um, so I'm here to help people enjoy the stuff and and to welcome new people in because I some of some of my happiest moments with the Rings of Power have been when people have contacted me because of my Twitter thread and just been like I had no idea that this depth existed yeah. and they're like, wow. and now I, now I was rewatching and got to pick out those details. And now I get to share that with my friends who are super casual. And, and that brings me so much joy because yeah. it's, it's bringing people into the fandom. And instead of just stopping at the TV show, the more I engage and the more I'm like, there's so much more that you don't know about mm-hmm. and it can be fun and exciting the more I do that, the more people will hopefully pick up the books. And yeah. that adds to the longevity of the fandom. So I'm never going to turn new people away, as long as they're That's not great. being a-holes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I if think you're, that- If you're here in good faith and you're enjoying something and you want to learn more, there are people like me around to help you learn more. And to, and that- and to give you resources so that you can enjoy it however you personally want to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And like that is the most beautiful and poignant memorial, I think, for your for your partner and what she taught to you. Like that is just you're you're doing it. You're passing that on. You're being that person for this whole new generation. And in a new way. I'm looking to the side because uh, for people who are listening, I I have a big crystal ball in my hand right now, Mm -hmm. uh, right within reach. (laughs) Because uh, this is a glass memorial piece that has the ashes of my partner swirled in it. Um, So this is within reach and has been for the entirety of me covering the Rings of Power. And yeah, that's really sweet of you to say because that's lovely. And and the funny thing is that Sandra probably would have hated this show. <laughs> she was she was far more pure, you know, purist than I am. She would be <laughs> ripping the Elvish apart. She would be so upset about Halbrand being Sauron. Like she would probably quit the show. Uh, and and, and no. it would be me just being like, but I want to watch it. Won't you watch it with me? Yeah. <laughs> I would pull the partner card and, and she would begrudgingly watch it. But yeah, the oh. funny thing is, I think she would have hated it. <laughs> 
a little smirk from Valinor. From but, her. but, but, abs- <laughs> but she would have absolutely supported yeah. me bringing new people into the fandom because it's absolutely. something she did too. That was her mission. <laughs> she too. would That's want them beautiful. to learn more so that they would learn where the inconsistencies are. She, she yeah. just wouldn't. <laughs> She'd be a bit meaner about it than I am. That's that's so freaking perfect. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, Chris, can you tell our listeners um, how, or can you reiterate how they can find you? We'll Absolutely. also link all so, your stuff in the show notes, but tell them how they can find you. Sure. So my name is Chris Pete. Uh, I translate stuff into Elvish for a living. My handle on all social media is at Wizard Way Chris. That's uh, W I Z A R D W A Y K R I S. Uh, my website, if you're curious about my blog or if you're curious about, I make essential oil blends based on Middle Earth. Uh, <laughs> I, I have many skills. Yes. Um, but if you're interested in any of that or you know, listening to me rant about little elvish things or talk about Celebrimbor being queer, uh, all of that would be available on my website and the mailing list is there for anyone who wants to learn elvish. You can also commission me through my website. So that's elfboy.com, E-L-F hyphen B-O-I.com, because on TikTok I am known as the resident elfboy. Yes. Um, so that's my moniker. But uh, those are those are the main places. I'm most active on TikTok and Twitter at the moment, but I am uh, doing more on YouTube lately as well. And I do do uh, calligraphy live streams over on TikTok as well. So if you want to see your name written in Elvish, try and catch me. I've been me watching those. Thousands of people sign in for those, and they all They're scream stressful. their name. <laughs> do Aaron. Do Aaron. Do Aaron. You're like, oh my god. Oh my god. Stop. Um, do Aaron. No. Aaron, and stop. then and then if if you only do the names of people who are tipping you then everybody gets angry right <laughs> it's you, so stressful you can't I'm trying please to, everybody i'm trying to find a method where like i reward people who are kind enough to tip me because i never expect people to do that yeah um but also allow other people who aren't going to just toss money at me uh, yeah. to have a chance to get their name written too. So I think I, the more so I do it, the more names will be written and the more people will get to see what they want to see. And that's fun. <laughs> but again, it's introducing it to a lot of people who might not even be Tolkien fans. Yeah. They're like, Elvish, what on earth? And then they look <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's what my name looks like. That's kind of cool. It's beautiful. What fandom is this again? <laughs> I know. It's and then so maybe cool. they'll look up the show or read a book and <laughs> that's all good. That's all good to me. That's amazing. I also wanted to mention your merch store on Spring, which is wizardwaychris.creator-spring.com, where Chris has the most amazingly wonderful and funny shirts. I personally (laughs) bought the I tried to be good, but then I got Killabrim board shirt. Which just it's made such me laugh. It's a terrible pun. It's so good. It's so that good. That is very so much was, a Steph joke. I can I see why you would just, love that one. I was literally, I was thinking, okay, I wanted to do uh, Sauron Appreciation Month. It was going to be Simp for Sauron September. <laughs> um, and so I had, I brainstormed a bunch of designs that were about Sauron in some way, shape, or form. And, and I was like, yeah, he tried to be good, but... Then he, he got, got Kellabrim board. <laughs> and I was like, so that is good. terrible. But I was I was taking the cue from actual shirts that was I tried to be good, but I got bored. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the one that is uh, Jesus saves, mm-hmm. you know, those T-shirts that, that religious folk sometimes <laughs> yeah. wear. Um, I made a Melkor saves. <laughs> nice. They are so Join good. the glorious discord, you know. That's so, oh, which is so perfect. I think we laughed about that before, the discord. I'm, just, discord I'm, I'm, very, I'm a bit irreverent. 
Um, I love it. I have religious I trauma. I am a queer person. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, but but I have a lot Agreed. of fun with it. I do make very queer friendly designs. I still yes. have my pride merches up there. Yeah. Uh, and certainly the you all are welcome here. That's not on my store. That's on Don Marshall's store. But yeah, we'll um, link to that to donmarshall72store.com. So I'll link yeah, that. That, as well. that was that was a wonderful collab. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've done things like mummy. Sorry, mummy. Sorry. <laughs> uh, in Elvish. Because why not? Uh, so we've Perfect. we've done silly stuff together, me and Don, and just you know, the good times roll. It's yeah. so much fun. That's but that's amazing. that's what I love to bring to my merch is just a, a bit of whimsy, and hopefully I won't be slapped by the Tolkien estate. <laughs> <laughs> no. If they ask me to fine. take stuff down, I will absolutely take stuff down. But but I am trying to concentrate yeah. on designs that uh, that won't get me in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so anything that has the, I call it the eye of Sauron, because it looks like a calligraphy eye, mm-hmm. um, but Ooh. it spells out Sauron in Tenguar. Oh, um, So cool. it is the literal eye of Sauron. Uh. <laughs> um, nice. And I just, awesome. call it, I just call it the evil eye or the eye of the Dark Lord, because you're not <laughs> supposed to use the name, it's copyrighted. Sure. Um, but the design wink, itself wink. is calligraphy enough that you could just see that it's an eye. And yeah. anyone who knows Tengwar no. will be like, oh my gosh, the pun, the pun ah! is there. <laughs> That's so uh, good. Yeah, so, so I do silly stuff like that. And, yeah. and I hope that people enjoy that. Please check out the merch if you feel so inclined. And uh, even if you don't do that, I hope you enjoy my website and, and enjoy my content over on TikTok and Twitter. I know Definitely. they will. Listeners, go check it out. Please support Chris and all that they're doing. And we will put all of these uh, links and names and stuff in the show notes, so go check that out. Yeah. And um, I just want to take a minute to say, hey, thank you so much Absolutely. for being here today. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. Like, I was looking forward to this podcast <laughs> so much. Yay! I love <laughs> recording podcasts. Like, just having a chat with other big fans and sharing my own weird queer demi perspective <laughs> has it's it brings me a lot of joy because it hopefully will resonate with people who didn't know that the fandom is welcoming to them. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sending that message out and thank you for taking the time to be here. We you're the best and we absolutely love talking with you. And thank you for being our first lesser trod path host. You're the very yeah. first one, so thank you. Yeah, we yeah. hope to make this you know, a series. Bag End so is a queer place, dope. and it's folk are queerer. <laughs> <Yee>! <laughs> The road may go ever on and on, but this special Lesser Trod Paths episode is over. If you enjoyed this podcast, please maybe leave us a review or a five-star rating on iTunes, as it helps increase our visibility and it makes me feel great. So thanks. <laughs> you can find us on the web at podcast.atherbeth.com. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram and maybe Mastodon. I'm not really yep. sure at Atherbeth underscore cast. Oh, and also Tumblr. We need to change this. We're all we're over leaving the place. All this in. We're we're all over the place, <laughs> but you can find all these links on our Twitter bio. And our website. Uh, <laughs> Podcast. The fascist dictator of Twitter has not yet removed our bio link, so you're good to go there. Yeah. 
Uh, then also Jude can be found at Aramidic Jude, and I can be found at the North Four. Producer James, who edits all of these episodes and makes us sound so, so good, thank you, James, can be found at Jay Pearson. Title music is Lord of the Devilries by Pony Music, <laughs> courtesy nice. of Bond 5. That one got Excellent. away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Additional music and sound effects licensed by Soundstripe, which can be found at soundstripe.com. Chris Pete can be found on TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram with their username WizardWayChris. K-R-I-S. K-R-I-S. You can visit their website at elf-boi.com. And you can find their merch at wizardwaychris.creator-spring.com. The famous You Are All Welcome Here shirts mentioned in the show can be found at donmarshall72store.com. All these links can be found in the show notes. Thank you so much to Chris for joining us on our first ever Atherbeth, Lesser Trod Paths episode. Thank you, Chris. You're the best. Also, one more thing. If you're interested in tabletop roleplay gaming with us, with Jude and I and James on our new podcast called Athroplay, don't forget to apply at tinyurl.com backslash Athroplay. The link is in the show notes. The deadline for applications is February 1st, 2023. So please, please get those in. We would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. That's good. And then who's doing the top part? Uh, well, for for alternation, that would be you. Me? Okay, cool. Yep. Burp. Okay. Don't blow it. <laughs> I'm definitely going to blow it now. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We're going straight to jail with that. <clears throat> Horny jail. <laughs> That's my favorite jail. Oh, no.